gentlemen, and welcome to whatever episode number 34. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Arrow. Uh, we're going to be skipping Legends tomorrow because only some of us no, have watched it. No, we can talk about last week's. We can talk about last week's. I'm so sorry. We didn't talk about last week's last week. Jesus. Uh, we're going to talk about The Walking Dead. We've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming up. Um, we've got all kinds of rumors in the Batman slash Dawn of Justice uh, era. And we read our comic books this week. A lot of them. Yep. We've got a guest host. Do you want to introduce yourself? Um, yeah, I'm Ryan Bailey from uh, Dead Nexus. You might have heard of them from the last 33 episodes, yeah, <laughs> something or something like that. Like that. Um, they were kind enough to lend us their music for our, our intro, and, and in return, we're going to have Ryan on, and he's going to plug his shit. Um, the, the cool thing about Ryan, though, is he's also a ridiculous super nerd like us, um, so unlike a lot of shows where they have a guest and then they get rid of the guests so they can talk about the normal shit, he's actually going to hang with us and talk about the normal shit with us, because yeah, he's watching all stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we? Yeah. Um. So should we just open up with the shit fest that was Arrow this week? I mean, first off, I will say, ex- except for the last five minutes of the show, the last five, or I'm sorry, except for the first 40 minutes of the show, it's the last five that killed it. Yeah. So this is funny because our TV talk this literally. week is going to start with a shit fest and then it's going to end with an even bigger shit fest. <laughs> right. So really bookending it with bullshit <laughs> this week, folks. Um. Yeah. Actually, I, I started watching this. Um. I actually... Uh, caught one of your tweets, I think, a couple yeah. of your tweets about it. Before it was like in the I middle of the it. episode, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually we're, we're shooting arrows, yeah, um, being superheroes. What the hell's going by, on?" By the way, you, you can follow him at, at Charles Smith, E Smith, Charles, Charles E Smith, e. Smith yeah. on Twitter, yeah. Um, so uh, I think I, I think I, I ended up catching it the next night because let's face it, Arrow really hasn't been one of those must watch on the night of TV shows in in a while. Yeah. Um. But then I started watching, and I was like, wow, this is a really good episode. Yeah, me too. And then the end happened. Yeah, and then the end happened. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, what a train wreck. Should we just get that out of the way? No, yeah. actually, the, the whole thing was pretty good. This is, um, there was the angle with uh, Diggs' brother. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, up until the last five minutes, I was like, whoa, this is actually a good dark, episode. Dark plotting and scheming to get his idol back and whatnot. Um, that part was a little dumb because why did they reassemble the idol and put no, all the one piece yeah. of shit? You know what? Yeah. I'd mail that to the four corners of the earth and be done with it. Yeah. Like why he wants it, that, he can go on to some yeah, Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah it was, that was pretty retarded. Um, but overall, a good episode. Uh, yeah. Almost zero Felicity. Which, until Felicity got there, the episode was great. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, and we talked about this a little uh, between ourselves, too, and I think you and I talked about it also. Um, Ryan, we at the beginning of the season when there was somebody dead and we were like, man, it better not be Felicity because I think everybody yeah. at that, that point was aboard the Felicity train. And then like three episodes later, we're like, eh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but by by five or six, I was like, well, fucking kill Felicity already. Yeah. So um, spoilers, if you haven't watched this week's Arrow, um, this is probably going to be the last week's Arrow for a lot of people. They killed Black Canary. They killed Laurel Lance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not and really with, not smart. I'm hoping they're holding something in their back pocket. With her dying breath, she went out shipping Elicity. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm just so glad you have Felicity now, Oliver, so I can die, even though I still love you. Cool. Sure. Yeah. No problem. That's good writing. Yeah. Not nothing. <laughs> why Why wouldn't we kill off an iconic comic book character or anything like that? You know, like second only in stature and popularity on that show to uh, 
Oliver Queen himself. Yeah, totally retarded. Yeah. And I mean that with all due respect to anybody who's developmentally disabled. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, how many hours a week do you think they write for Arrow? Um, I think there's a pretty huge tax credit for that kind of thing. Yeah. So Solid. It's a lot like we used to have kind of one on staff at McDonald's at all times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so... I, I overall really enjoyed this episode, but they killed the wrong person at the end, and that's that's really the only thing I can walk away with. I just don't get how they came to that conclusion. Like, I have seen, um, I don't know if you've seen this in spoilers for The Flash a little bit, or maybe Legends, I can't remember which show it leaked from, but there are pictures of um, uh, Katie Cassidy, who plays Black Canary, um, in an alternate-looking costume, so we're probably getting some, like, Earth 2 Black Canary. Hmm. That'd be rad. That would be Maybe cool. she can join the cast of Flash and be on a good show. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like when Canary visited Flash last season or whatever, uh, that would be nice. She was suddenly a super better character, just like everybody else that comes over yeah. from Arrow. Yeah. Um, do we have anything to talk about with this? Anything more? No, I mean, just guys at Arrow, if you're writing for Arrow, just stop. Just, just don't do what just, you're doing. Just quit. Yeah. All of your plans that you've had so far this season have been awful, just horrendous. Yeah, I think when Felicity got shot earlier in the season is when they should have killed her off. Instead of the spinal injury and just playing it out, they should have just ended it right there. Yeah. Yeah, I actually kind of, at that point, I I wasn't quite full on hating her quite yet. But I was kind of like, you know, if they killed her off right here, this would kind of be a good growth moment for Ollie. And, you know, then we got something, you know, we know who's in the grave. And that would have made sense. That would have made sense, writers. Well, and Mm -hmm. here's the thing. Oliver Queen is not Bruce Wayne. As much as anybody wants him to be Bruce Wayne, he's not Bruce Wayne. He doesn't have to have conflict or chaos in his life to fuel him. Nope. Nope. They could have easily just had the two of them get married, they keep doing what they're doing, and life goes on and everybody's happy. Oh, yeah. Oliver's had long-term relationships in the comics, like, say, with uh, Black Black Canary. Canary. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be crazy, though. Couldn't do that on a show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, they ran their whole course. Of the, there was an interview with a Guggenheim showrunner slash writer or something like that. Um, and he said something along the lines of, well, we thought their um, story kind of played out in the first season, like their relationship. And I was like, do you mean in the flashbacks when Ollie was cheating on her? Yeah. Is that, is that how you mean? <laughs> that, that's, not really, that's not really how it went. Exactly. You know, I think they kind of tried a little bit in the first season, but it, yeah. Well, it's like... Uh, Arrow has to have its quota of of female characters who serve only drama purposes. So, like, in season one and two, that was Laurel, and she was basically there to be helpless and annoying. And then in season three, we decided that Felicity needed to take up that mantle, and she yeah. suddenly became amazingly annoying, while Laurel got much more interesting and watchable. Yeah, same, and then, same well, thing. We also had Sarah, too, that came yeah. in. We did. In the middle somewhere of one or two. I, although, she was never annoying, though. I never... No. Yeah. Um, and then, thankfully, neither has... Um, speedy been like she's been a pretty solid character well she's been a decent character up until this last season and she's gotten to be a really solid character like all of a sudden she's smart and can figure things out whatnot so yeah um so yeah that's arrow um got better for a little while then really sucked again so let's hope next week it doesn't really suck again Uh, the next week next week's episode is uh called canary cry that that we know so i'm gonna guess we're gonna get the funeral and the aftermath and all that stuff it's just why why are we doing this? Maybe the whole thing's staged. It, well, <laughs> I, I actually almost, I think I said, maybe we were talking about this before the show last week or something like I that. I think you said, talked about this on the show where you're maybe, just like, maybe just they'll like, just wake up from a bad dream. Yeah. If they, and if they did, that's fine. 
We'll just totally, go back. Totally pull the Dallas ending. Yeah. Bobby's pull, not dead at all. Pull the Dallas ending and he just, just hit his head in the shower. Going. It's fine. <clears throat> yeah. It'll be fine. Uh, um, so do we want to talk about last week's Legends? Yeah, I do actually because this was a super good episode. I just finished this last night. Perfect, because I don't remember what happened You're at talking all. Talking last week, so not <laughs> yes, this week, right? Yeah. I watched both last night. Okay, so um, so the last time we talked about this was in 1958. I mean, we didn't talk about it in 1958, but yeah, that's where the characters were. Um, this this was really cool because like the opening of the episode is all of a sudden um, there's kind of a fight on board the ship, and then um, oh, yeah, okay, now three of the main characters, yeah. uh, Ray Palmer, uh, Kendra, and Sarah, are walking toward the ship, presumably to board it so they can leave, and then the ship's just up and leaves without them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this, like, really awesome time travel moment where, like, Ray's just like, no, all we have to do is stay here. They'll come back and get us. And then, like, Sarah's like, no, they would have already done that by now. So now we have to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that yeah. was kind of funny because it is time travel. And I don't remember what the reasoning in the episode for not going back to the right time was. Um, it was they can't because, interfere in points yeah. that they've already interfered in, so they had to wait. Because mm-hmm. he was like, "I thought you would come right back for us." And he's like, so, "You know very well we can't." Like, what is that like a uh, like it wore off or something? Because it was like two years. Yeah, they were there for two years. Yeah. So um, first off, I thought that was a cool angle. Like they were there for two years. The fact that Ray and Kendra lived together for two years and didn't get lynched in 1958. Yeah. yeah. Especially in small town Oregon. <laughs> Which they made a very big point of in the previous episode of pointing out just what hill, hillbillies they were. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, kudos to them for that. Um, the the angle with Sarah getting bored and taking off and rejoining the League of Assassins. Oh, I thought that was oh, funny. Oh, that was really funny. Yeah. Like, well, were they there for like 10 minutes? And she's like, well, I'm going to go find Razzle Ghoul. Yeah. Eight, she's like, you week. guys are boring the shit out of me, so I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you two and your stupid interracial marriage. I'm leaving. Yeah. And you're bored. You think games. she's a little, uh, I don't know. Say uh, right I think of, she right was hoping center. to make some moves on Kendra, and uh, she's like, Ray got there first. Well, I dumped that nurse from a week ago, and I'm all out of lesbians in this time period. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I just dumped the only lesbian in Oregon in 1958, so I'm going to have to go to fucking Nanda <laughs> Parbat now. <laughs> uh, the, well, the, the only non-closeted lesbian at this point, like, she's like, oh, man, I put, like, I don't know, 35 minutes of smooth-talking that woman into that, so yeah. clearly hope's gone. Um, this was, this was cool though. Cause we also, um, got the reintroduction of Mick. Yeah. yeah. Um, this actually kind of makes me wonder all the times that we've seen Kronos, if it's actually been Kronos or if it's been Mick, because but, now that he's got the Kronos gear and can time travel, we don't know if the interactions they've had with Kronos have actually been Kronos or Mick. No, I think that past. was the thing. I think that that has always been Kronos or, uh, uh, Mick is always Kronos. Mick is Kronos equality. There's no other Kronos. Gotcha. So, I wondered. I, at least that's that's the the feeling I'm getting, and I think that was the the big reveal there is that um, you know time travel shenanigans, so he can do that um, essentially. And then uh, Snart breaking his own hand off to escape that was fucking intense. Yeah, I totally dug that. I was actually almost a little bit sad, and I, I knew they were going to do something like this that they didn't. You know, it was kind of like when Luke loses his hand, and then by the end of the movie, he's got you know an artificial hand mm-hmm. that's for all intents and purposes <laughs> exactly the same. Yeah. yeah, I was hoping that they would play off the hand being taken off a little longer as far as that. Yeah, I didn't suspect they would. 
I, I wanted them but, kind of to make that a little bit of a plot point, but it would have been, you know, we talked about this with The Walking Dead, you know, Kirkman took the hand in, in The Walking Dead comic and said how much he regretted doing that for TV reasons and all those shenanigans, so um, it didn't surprise me that that, you know, was immediately undone by the end of the episode, but it would have been kind of neat to see. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, the Kronos thing, uh, I really like the, that whole uh, Back to the Future sort of, you know, we, we've got this big reveal i thought that was an interesting thing because i honestly just thought chronos was going to be just some no-name character essentially mm-hmm, right um you know some throwaway bounty hunter sort of you know so i like that little twist there i i overall i thought this was probably their strongest episode yet and i haven't watched this week so i mean i can't really speak to that but um the only thing i didn't like was when sarah was leaving and she was like um tell your daughter to uh Oh, with Nissa, not to show up in. Uh, we'll tell her to show up so she can pick her up. Yeah. In Liang Yu. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a little bit contrived. Although I did like the fact that they addressed the fact that there really is Italia. Yes. That I thought was really cool. I um, didn't catch that until towards the end when they re mentioned Talia again. Yeah. And I was like, what? Somebody floated my my favorite fan theory that might possibly tie into Arrow. And this would actually be kind of neat is if Talia was actually Ruve Dark. Mm. But I don't... I, I want I'm Talia a, to be prettier, though. Yeah, and I'm also, kind <laughs> of a, I'm also kind of afraid of them doing that because they kind of... Uh, 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 screwed up uh, Razal Ghul a little bit in the last season, at the yeah. end of the last season. Anyway, the the mid season cliffhanger when he d- totally shanks Ollie that was awesome. Um, but by the end of the season, it was kind of, he was kind of a weaker character at that point. So yeah. I'd be kind of afraid of them taking another big uh, character like that. I don't and, I don't want to have an ugly grown up Talia Ghul um, specifically because uh, that got screwed up. I mean, we haven't had a decent on screen Talia. I didn't really like the one in Dark Knight rises i mean she all. was hot but no it, dark knight rises like talia al ghul from the comic books is like super hot yeah she's like uh 14 on a scale of 10 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and an assassin so yeah ruve um, that'd be that yeah now that i think about that that would be kind of dumb because i don't see her playing like an assassin type character yeah i mean she's certainly like super cold-hearted in the show but yeah that'd be weird yeah and there was yeah um other than that, I mean, again, I didn't really like the the, the setup with uh, with Sarah telling him to have his daughter be there, and whatnot. Yeah, uh, but that was a little like, uh, okay, so we're just you know not gonna pay attention to this whole time stream thing that yeah, we're just keeps... fucking everything up yeah. now. Like, just screw it, screw it. They took a page out of uh, Barry Allen's playbook from the last episode yeah. of Flash. Where Remember, just like whatever you do, yeah, don't tell anybody you're from the future. Hey, guess what, guys? Here I am. Oh, yeah. You guys don't have that in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Well, My wasn't bad. it Razal Ghul that figured it out? He's like, oh, you guys are from the future. He was yeah. the one that figured it out, like, on point. Yeah. Yeah. No, he totally did. Um, I yeah. But other than that, yeah, no, I think I think it was it was their stronger, strong, one of their stronger episodes. This yeah, season. I really like this one. Um, um plus but, we got to see everybody like powered up and fighting. Finally, uh, like for the first time yeah. since I think the premiere. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. Casey actually mentioned that when we were when we were watching it, she was like, "I don't, I don't think we've seen that in a long time." No, they've been kind of consciously dividing them. I think is a you know probably at least a, a in big budgetary part, budgetary yeah, reasons. Yeah, the the show does have to have quite a big CG budget for uh, the the size of the show, you know, comparatively. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, good episode. Um, so more in DC. Yeah, we've got uh, some Wonder Woman news. Uh, we're moving up the release date. Yeah. Um. This is interesting. Um. 
because, and I think this probably has to do with the significant drop off that Batman v Superman had its second week. Um, its box office fucking tanked. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, because the, you know, it seems like basically everybody but us like hardcore comic book nerds were like, well, that wasn't good at all. Yeah, it was originally set to open against Transformers Five, um, and then now they've moved it up so it's going to open against Bad Boys Three instead, which I don't think it'll. That's not going to provide any competition at all. No. I don't even know that Transformers would either, especially since, I mean, people get that things that are wrong with um, Batman v Superman are kind of Zack Snyder issues, not mm-hmm. necessarily the, like character issues yeah, and whatnot. issues or anything like that. So with Wonder Woman, I mean, we've got a completely different director. Obviously, she's going to be playing off of, of well, she didn't even have to. She didn't have to play no, off of anything. Because it's in the past. Yeah, this is, this is set in like 1941 or 39 mm-hmm. or something like that, so... Um, well, I think actually, what was the in um, Dawn of Justice? They said like nineteen 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 twenty nine. Was it? Something? I don't know. Yeah, it was early because yeah, yeah, we got that picture of uh, uh, Kirk with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's super. It's a time period piece for sure. So super early. But one of the one of the cool things that this article mentions though is that um, Warner Brothers has added two untitled DC movies to its uh, release schedule: one in twenty eighteen and one in twenty nineteen. So. We're keeping our fingers crossed that 2018 is Batman. Yeah. So in our second... Yeah, I don't um, know anyone that isn't. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're going to talk about this more in a second, but we've already confirmed that Affleck has a script he's writing with Jeff Johns, um, and we've we've got lots of strong rumors pointing towards that being the case, that we're going to get a 2018 Batman movie. And I think in large part because... Um, Especially with Dawn of Justice, Batman was sort of the largest, sort of universally, uh, uh, you know, appealing uh, thing, really, um, and not really something that really anybody had a lot to complain about. Uh, that at least understood the movie. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the second before we before we talk about that one though, uh, what do you think the other one is? I don't know. Um. Yeah, I kill, uh, Green Lantern maybe. I, but I thought that was originally on the schedule for 2020. That's yeah, but it was originally. Yeah, honestly, I don't I don't know what the 2019 one would be unless they and honestly, maybe it's just a slot, maybe they don't even have anything necessarily planned. They just want to keep keep a, a slot open for So, do scheduling. we still have any major um JL members not um planned for aside from GL? Yeah, we've got GL, GL really that's not in there yet. We've got um, the Flash is going to be in the thing. Aquaman's going to be in the thing. Cyborg, Cyborg, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter. That was the only other one that came to mind. But I was I wasn't thinking that DC would do a Martian Manhunter movie. Like I think that's the type of shit that Marvel could pull off because they've got enough of a following yeah, now. Established if Batman, universe. if Batman v Superman had been as strong of a movie as like Iron Man or Avengers or Definitely. something like that, then yeah, they could, Sky would be the limit. But um, until they actually get a little bit of um, support mm-hmm. under them, then they can't do a, a Martian Manhunter movie and, and sell tickets to it. I mean, I would be there. Yeah, but. totally. Mm-hmm. Especially, though, because that that's another, like, I could see a lot of sort of um, Ryan Reynolds, Green Lantern sort of flaws cropping up in a Martian Manhunter movie. Um, especially if they do, you know, stupid shit with the CGI and Martian Manhunter doesn't have any really well-known villains and stuff like that. So, yeah. But, of course, that's, I've never really read any Manhunter-specific comics, I don't think. I've usually only been exposed to him through um, Justice, Justice League. League. 
Yeah. So. Same with me. Yeah. One of the things though, that I've heard about the GL movie that they're doing is that it's um, more than likely not going to be a standalone character GL. It's going to be uh, Green Lantern Corps. That would actually be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it, it would give them the opportunity to kind of bring in somebody else as Hal Jordan, but also still have um, some other characters as well. And in fact, one of the theories that I that I read talked about how it's actually going to focus on three Green Lanterns from Earth. So I can only imagine that would be Hal Jordan, John Stewart, and Guy Gardner. Mm-hmm. Unless they fucking do a fucking weird end round and bring Kyle Rayner into it. As I was well. just gonna say I could actually kind of picture it being Kyle Rayner instead of Guy Gardner, but you know. No, I would keep I would keep Guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a studio perspective, the only thing I would do is not include Hal Jordan, just so we kind of still. Well, maybe that's what they do. You know what I mean? Maybe they, maybe in fact, that would be entirely plausible. Like if they want to distance themselves even more from the uh, uh, abortion of a movie that the um, uh, previous Green Lantern movie was, uh, they could just skip Hal Jordan altogether. Make it about uh, Stuart Lanner or Stuart Gardner and uh, Rainer. And honestly, I think Guy Gardner is a character that would translate really well onto the big screen. Yeah, because he's such a fucking hothead, and there's a lot of pent up anger you know stuff stuff like that with him i don't know if you guys have read much green lantern but he's he's a really interesting character just in terms of he's brash he's cocky and you really hated him throughout like the 90s run of of green lantern and then later on he got powers not from the ring like he ended up they did this weird storyline where he was like Hmm. genetically related to some alien race and so he could form himself into weapons and stuff oh damn that kind of got retconned but what we got after that in the aftermath was a guy Gardner that was a little bit more centered. He still had anger issues and whatnot, but he was a little more comfortable with who he was. And, um, and there was always a little bit of, uh, of give and take with, with his emotions and whatnot. So, um, I think that could be cool. Yeah. But, uh, other than that, yeah, I can't really think of anybody in the justice league who's not represented at this point other than a green lantern. What do you think the possibilities are that they're doing a non justice league story? Uh, like a la Suicide Squad? Yeah, something like that. What about the Shazam movie that Dwayne The Rock Johnson's attached oh, to? Oh, fuck yeah, I forgot about that one, because they are doing Shazam yeah. with, uh, with The Rock as, as Black, Black Adam. Adam. Oh, you, yeah. yeah. Um, is that Does that have a release date I think yet? it already does. Yeah, I think so. But uh, yeah, I'm looking really forward to that too. Um, another thing too, and this is not on the show notes at all, but just something that I, I uh, read today. It, it looks like... Um, Ben Affleck may have a larger role in the Suicide Squad than we've been led to believe previously. That it might be kind of he's the foil to the the whole overall plot of Suicide Squad. Or interesting, maybe not the foil to the Suicide Squad, but definitely kind of the foil to the Joker. Yeah. Well, uh, that that it seems like it would sense. fit. Yeah. It would make sense. Especially because it, it looks, um, you know, one of the theories that we've had is that the Joker that we're seeing on this this one is actually. Um, not going to be the the Joker that we're Joker. used to seeing, we're, but it may be something like a Jason Todd or another Robin who's been, uh, you know, sort of destroyed at the hands of the Joker. Maybe not killed, but destroyed, certainly. Um, and that would make a lot more sense to have that be a, a lot largely driven by Batman. But Shazam has an open date for three years from now on April 5th of 2019. All right. So, hmm. so that shuts that down. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that was the open date. Years a ago, few, well, a couple of days ago, when they yeah. just 
did their shuffling, so well, who knows? We got another story in here, and that's uh, more about Jeff Johns and Ben Affleck's writing process for uh, the Batman script they're working on. Um, the thing that I liked about this, because it's Kevin Smith talking to his buddy Affleck again. Did, here's the thing. I don't actually get the impression that he talked to Affleck specifically. I know he talked to Jeff. Yeah. Um, which kind of breaks my heart a little bit, if that's the case, because I want to see those two homies get back together again. Yeah. Um, but it was really kind of cool that it, it does talk about how um, Ben and Jeff kind of just took different sections of the movie, did their writing, and then traded them, and then so they like looked over the other each other's work and made recommendations and whatnot. Um, ben Affleck is such a good screenwriter. Like oh people God. like to give Matt Damon all the credit for uh, Goodwill Hunting, but Ben. Ben had as much to do with that as anybody else, and I think everybody knows it. They just don't want to admit it because Ben made Geely. Yeah, see, the thing about that is I think that... Um, and Paycheck. Uh, like, ben, Ben's probably primary uh, um, talents aren't for screenwriting, but he's competent. Like, I think him working with another writer like uh, Jeff Johns or even Matt Damon, you know, sort of uh, highlights what Ben can do. But we're getting a, a Ben Affleck Batman directed by Ben Affleck, it sounds like. Which would be amazing because I yep. mean, look at it. I mean, recent years. I mean, D- WB would be stupid not to have Ben Affleck direct it because of the past movies he's directed in the past oh, past couple of years. Yeah, definitely. We've we've uh, we we sort of have a a um, you know homoerotic crush on Ben Affleck at this point. We've, we've been been on this on the show for like. What do you mean, sort of? Yeah. Ben, if you're around, I'm just saying that not a lot would, you know, I'm, I'm a beer in already. Give it another one. This is the part where I forgot to bring the opener. Uh, and we'll be it. back right after this. Nope. Oh, nope. Ryan's got Here us. Here we are. This is the part it. where I review a marker that I'm just going to delete. All right. Oh, hey, look at that. Um, so while Matt's popping some new beers, uh, the other thing is that this is another link which gives us an idea that we may be getting another Batman movie, and that may be the 2018 release. That's uh, the prevailing theory with that, and that's in this article again. And it also talks about the likelihood that they're going to do an Under the Red Hood storyline um, with this Batman. So more fuel for the fire, and it looks like a good fire to me. So Yeah, I'm going to toast some marshmallows on that fire. Yeah. That was really gay. I, I, <laughs> I was like, how can I turn this into a dumpster fire metaphor? And I was like, I don't want to be that hard on Donna Justice, but <laughs> oh well. Um, Donna Justice is what it is. I mean, it's not a terrible movie. It's just Zack Snyder. Here's, I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, Kevin Feig or Feige, Feige, whatever, however you say his name. Sorry, Kevin. Um, he's got. It's not just him trying to run that show. Like he's got guys that help him do stuff, um, give him input and whatnot. And you can definitely tell the movies that he's involved with versus the ones he's not, because, um, even Iron Man one has a little bit of a different feel to it. Um, incredible Hulk definitely. But then after that is when he came on board and you can kind of see him throughout all the rest of it. Zack Snyder, it kind of feels like he's taking that role on himself and he just doesn't have... See, like, this goes back to, like, that's just not in his wheelhouse, I don't think. Like, it's he's not. a good director. I think if um, somebody else would write his movies for him, 
he could probably make a good movie. Like, um, we kind of saw that a little bit, I thought, with uh, Watchmen. Like, I really liked Watchmen. Uh, yeah. I know that that's not a hugely popular movie or anything like that, or necessarily held up as one of the be- best comic book movies. But I thought that was a, a very solid movie, and that's largely because while Snyder was at the helm, he basically just straight ripped the comic book pages and turned them into storyboards. Yeah, and saved the ending. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really the only part that was of a variation at all. But other than that, like, that was storyboarded directly from the comic books. Yeah, like, uh, Snyder can do some interesting visuals and things like that. And he's got, you know, some good ideas about that kind of thing. I just don't think that they've really kind of thought through, um, especially with Superman, the best way to flesh out these characters and make them interact. And then the other problem, I think, is largely studio involvement. Like, uh, they just tried to cram way too much shit into that movie. Yeah. Like, it had had probably five distinct storylines, which is a lot when you're launching, you know, three brand new characters. Yeah, and we've we've talked about this and kind of spoiled stuff about it before already. So, um, th- I mean, I was blown away that we were getting a movie that pulled from... Uh, Dark Knight Returns. Oh yeah, yeah, I still, I still am really happy that that's sort of the Batman incarnation we're getting this time around. Um, but I had no idea. I mean, other than the fact that Doomsday was in it, which we knew from like trailer two or whatever. Yep. Um, I didn't know that they were going to actually pull from the Death of Superman storyline no. at all, and See, that's a that's no. another huge, huge pull. Like yeah. you can't. I wouldn't have put those two together. That was like the Green Lantern movie, trying to do. A Green Lantern origin story with Hector Hammond and then also bringing in Parallax and royally fucking the dog with Parallax. <laughs> yeah. Uh, crown and Scepter and all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I just, I'm a little nervous because hearing them pushing up release dates, I think is a kind of a, uh, not quite a desperation mover, maneuver, but it does sound a little bit like we got to get out of, in front of this thing so we can really launch this property the way that we wanted it to. Well, um, Donna Justice got pushed up too. Yeah. Donna Justice was really supposed to open against Captain America. Or it's um, a confidence, or if, well, it's a, or if it's a confidence mover saying, hey, we believe in these properties. Let's push them forward to get people more interested. That could be. I, I think with a weak weak um, performance of of Donna Justice, I, I think the moving Donna interest- Justice up was well, probably they, exactly that. But they moved it back to begin with. It, it was originally supposed to be like a last year movie, but they said they wanted to spend more time editing and get it just right. Which, if you're not really, if you don't follow movie making a lot, usually that's a bad sign. Like if you've got a really good movie on your hands, the thing that's not gonna, the, that's going to hold you up is not going to be editing. Well, that's yeah. usually like we got to figure out a better way to cut this together because this isn't, you know, as as good as we want it to be. Yeah, and then they when they pushed it back, they gave it the same release date as uh Civil War, which that takes a fucking brass set to do that because I mean, Marvel's already Marvel has a license to print money. Like there's nothing that they can't they that they can do wrong at this point. Um even with the weird ass shit they did in Iron Man 3 with the Mandarin like they still sold a shit ton of tickets and then oh, yeah. sold tickets for their next movie as well wasn't that the first billion dollar Marvel movie was Iron Man 3 uh no that had to have been the Avengers you're talking worldwide obviously oh yeah worldwide. yeah the Avengers was for sure the first one yeah um but I do think Iron Man 3 kind of was up there with it in terms of gross sales and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, but yeah. So, I mean, just the fact that they were originally, um, I mean, once they decided to push it back that they decided they were going to open it against civil war, I was like, man, that's, I don't know. Like, 
if they had both opened on the same day, I don't know which one of them I would have gone to first. Probably Civil War. I would have went to Civil War. Or save it because you know that BVS might have been a train wreck. Yeah, I probably would have gone to see Civil War first, and then... And then gone to see BBS the next week or whatever. Ended your day disappointed. What's that? And then you would have ended your day disappointed. Yeah, but that's just cannon fodder for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not the worst thing when terrible movies come out. Yeah. Um, like, so, hey, we just devoted way more time than Arrow deserved this week. Yeah, but I do think pushing Wonder Woman up is is a little bit of. Uh, well, she got a lot of positive reaction in the movie, and I think I'm I'm eager to see more of what they're going to do with that character. And I'm also just kind of eager to get Wonder Woman back on the screen. Like, no, I was excited to see her in the movie too, and I, I actually thought that um, Gal Gadot did amazing. Yeah, she so. did. She was one of the she was the wild card for me as far as going into the movie because I know her acting experience isn't very much. The wild card for me was Affleck. And the reason he was the wild card for me is because since the day that this was announced, I've been championing Ben as Batman. <laughs> so if he did poorly, I was gonna have to eat that shit yeah. all day long. <laughs> gonna have to spend a whole week uh, like p- apologizing on the podcast. Like, well, guys, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, that didn't happen. So no. Um, yeah, it, 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 just again, the, the writing though is, I think, a little bit of the problem there. Like they they. Uh, they tried to cram some major, majorly huge stories into this one picture, and I just don't think that was the way to go. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's move on to something else. Uh, more Superman, sort of quasi-news. Um, I posted a link to this article. Um, it's a behind-the-scenes that uh, The Hollywood Reporter did on Richard Donner's Superman. Um, so, I'm going to let you take this one because I didn't read this. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm actually not going to go through a whole lot of depth in it, but it's a really cool story. Um, basically, we had a guy who... Um, uh, was sort of trying to get this movie made and he was looking for a director and he came to Donner and was like, I'll give you this absurd amount of money to come direct this. And Donner was like, all right. And then he got there and he was like, oh, except for all this is shit. And you're totally missing the point, uh, being a big fan of Superman. And there was a lot of, you know, like uh, just funny sort of like the first time Donner was approached about it. Like he ended up thinking it over and he was like stoned and putting on the Superman costume and like going over to his friend's house and be like, okay, you gotta, you gotta check this out. You know? So it was, it's, it's just a really interesting story and not, you know, how you'd think that movie gets made, but there's a lot of good little anecdotes about Chris Reeves. Like a thing that I didn't know is he was majorly a play actor at this point. Yeah. And, uh, tiny from the sounds of it like we uh donner originally didn't want to cast him because he didn't think he could fill out the role you know as in fill out the tights um and of course you know the rest is history because it totally worked out had, by the way yeah <laughs> um so, rumor has it that guy is liam neeson yeah esque they just taped it down for the <laughs> it's distracting the ladies we gotta do something about that yeah and um, some of the men. Um, did it talk a lot about the producers? I can't remember their names. The the husband and wife that kind of ran that whole I operation. I think so, because I can't remember what the guy's fucking name is. That, um, But I don't remember the wife being mentioned, which is damn patriarchy. Uh, but yeah, it was talking... The, it was essentially the producer that was trying to get Donner on board, I think. Um, and then fired him in the middle of the next movie. Yeah, there's a couple of good anecdotes about um, uh, uh, Brando, too. Yeah, like, who didn't Don- want to do that at all. <laughs> well, Donner was saying stuff like he'd go and meet uh, Brando, and Brando's like, I think I'm going to play this one like a bagel. And Donner's like, okay, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, 
what what did, what does that even mean and he said that would happen like all the time like donner would come in and be like oh, i'm gonna play this one as a single blade of grass you know like uh nobody understands what you're saying it's cell kind um, can, can you stop being crazy long enough to shoot your your fucking five minute scene in the superman movie yeah yeah basically possible? um so the, it's uh, something Salkind. I can't even remember his first name. Yeah, the, Sal, the, the Salkinds, yeah. Yeah, and the reason that I, I remember his name at all is because he had a clause in the Screen Actors Guild named after him because he essentially um, uh, took scenes shot for the original, like, 74... Yeah, there we go. 74... Um, no, 73, Three Musketeers. He took scenes from that movie that they didn't use and basically cut together a whole second movie, essentially, and released it. And they were like, you can't do that. Um, so the, there's now the Salkine Clause in the Screen Actors Guild forbidding um, that that without contractual permission, essentially. Um, yeah. And then they so they fired Donner in the middle of Superman 2. Have you ever seen the, the Richard Donner cut? <laughs> it's way better. Really? Yeah. That's amazing because I actually really like Superman too. Um, you know how the big dude? I can't remember his name. Because uh, there's there's no. um there's Ursa and obviously there's Zod and then there's the big dude. The yeah yeah he makes he's kind of retarded, right? <laughs> I think so. Yes. He's he's not that much. He's, he's like, not that bad in the in the Richard Donner cut. Like yeah, it's it's, it's a more serious take on things. Um. And it, yeah, just I I wonder why they fired him a, a good portion of the time when I watched the because I have um, back before Blu-ray became the norm, I had um, a nice little like um, it was the Christopher Reeves Superman collection basically. Yeah, I have um, the box set. Yeah, even even with three and four. Yeah, yeah. I, I, paid, I, I actually intentionally paid money for that. I know I paid. I think I paid like seventy or eighty bucks when it came out. I don't think it was quite that bad. I, um, I but, bought mine from Sam Goody, so it was jacked up. But oh yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, but then, like, I, I had to intentionally, like, go out, like, and I think Fred Meyer had it on the shelf, like, the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, and I went and bought that specifically so that I could watch those four movies, even knowing that Superman 3 and 4 are stupid. Yeah. When I watched all four of them, though, I wanted to make sure I watched the good cut of Superman 2. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I, I definitely am going to have to check that out, because um, it was really funny, the thing that I got, or the impression that I get now knowing that, that, that he was fired, because I didn't really even put that together, because... Honestly, as much as I like those movies, I had never really gone into the backstory of them much at all. Um, but there was a lot of things that they were talking about with Donner basically saying, like, so we went in and they had, you know, a lot of stupid ideas about a lot of stupid shit. And we eventually talked them out of doing a lot of it. So I get the feeling that they maybe were just, you know, one side was really opinionated and so was the other. And uh, they fired the wrong side. Yeah. 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 Did you ever watch any of the, the classic Superman movies? Oh, uh, very long time ago. I vaguely remember bits and pieces. It was probably maybe my oh, yeah. hip hype. I still torture myself and watch three and four sometimes, even because when I watch one of them, I, I have to kind of just watch all of them. Yeah. I actually, the DVD uh, box set that I bought, um, and I, I think you probably got the same set, so it actually has the director's cut of Superman 1, 2, which is actually like a three-hour movie. Holy mm-hmm. shit. That's unheard of back then. Yeah, well, I think it released theatrically at like two and a half hours. It was pretty. It, it was a very. It, wow. it was and is a very long movie, um, especially for the time. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So anyway, go check out that article, especially if you're a Superman fan or a fan of the Superman movies. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Even if you're not a fan, it was just sort of a weirdly, um, you know, '70s sort of story. Like, reminded me a lot of like, uh, um, I don't know, Fear and Loathing or something like that. Uh, Marvel news this week. We don't talk about Agents of Shield. 
are you caught up on Agents of Shield? I am caught up on Agents of Shield and trying to remember exactly what happened because I watched like three episodes in a row. Yeah, I don't think we've talked about it in a while. Um, I'm 100% caught up now. Are you? Did you watch this week's? Oh yeah, you the did, last one. The last we were texting one about it. Yeah, and I do remember. I don't remember if I finished this episode or not. Um, because I did get as far as to see uh, Ward Neo. Yeah, yeah. Stupidest fucking thing I've seen on that show. And this is a really good season, but that was so fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, they they're like, you know what we need to do? We need to go back and look like a '99 uh, Comic Con attendee. Yeah, I I really dug these these last couple episodes though. Um, just. Uh, especially the the dynamic between Coulson and um, who's the electricity guy? I can't remember his name. Uh, Daisy's man friend. The shocker. That's not right. <laughs> shocker. <laughs> it's a different power set entirely. Yeah. What the hell is his name? I don't remember. We're yeah. Well, well anyway, but I, I did, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I liked I like the dynamic between those two because Colson's like, "Don't interrupt me. You haven't earned that right." Like he was all serious for a minute too, like, being very stern. <laughs> um, so there was that whole thing, and then um, the most recent episode though, which was the time travel or not the time travel, but the like guy that could see into the future and whatnot. That mm-hmm. was last episode. Um, yeah, Charlie yeah, the yeah. bum. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that was super cool, and just the fact oh, yeah, that they really tried to keep Daisy from being there in the first place to kind of break the cycle and whatnot, but they couldn't do it. Um, also, we kind of got to see Ward, creature Ward, because uh, I, I mean, it's not exactly is. Ward yeah. anymore. He's wearing his body, but that's not him. Hydroward? Yeah. Hy- Hy- yeah. Hydra Ward. Yeah. yeah. Um, we kind of got to see him at full power. Um, yeah. And I really like the scene in the boardroom when they're trying to convince the guy to sign over the company. And he's like, let me show you what will happen. And then he's like, no, no, I'll do anything. He's like, no, I said I'll show you what will happen. <laughs> Charlie touch him or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the Neo outfit, man. Yeah, just like was... eight minutes in, like I see him walk in and I'm like, "The fuck is this?" Yeah, that was pretty cringy. Yeah. Costume costume department's getting no love this week. No, it's like, oh, really? Like, have you guys not seen the Matrix Revolutions <laughs> <laughs> or Reloaded or whichever fucking stupid movie you want to pick where he wore something stupid? Yeah, it was it was reloaded because after reloaded, he was basically like a uh, Superman Neo. Well, um, I think or, uh, what, yeah, no, reloaded. Revolutions yeah. was the last one, and and he was not in the Matrix as much because he was mostly like refugee Keanu at that point. Yep. He's like, for um, just two nickels a week, you could help Keanu Reeves. Yeah, eat some more of that shitty looking paste stuff from the first movie. Whoa, whoa. Uh, <laughs> anything else on Agents? Um. No, just, I mean, this show just continues to be really good. I do kind of like how they're setting up kind of like their own civil war as far as like humans versus inhumans. And I find that contrast really cool leading up to civil war. It's kind of an outsider perspective of what's going on. I'm going to take a contrary opinion to you. And this is based on my love for the X-Men. And this is just Marvel's way of saying fuck you to the X-Men because Fox has them. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, (laughs) Uh um, but I mean, you're right. I I mean, it's a good story and I like, I like how they're, they're pulling it off. Um, especially with the the episode before last, which had to do with the, um, inhuman hating. Yeah. With the Diggle's brother or not Diggle. Uh, Uh, Mac, Mac, Mac's brother. Yeah. Um, and two big black guys. They have a brother that's about the same. angry about stuff, <laughs> right? That does seem a little type. Like, are we being racist, or is yeah. that just stereotypical? Yeah, I don't think I'm being racist at all. I just, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, All right. So, um, yeah, I totally get what you're saying about the X-Men because there's been a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff with the Inhumans where I was like, you know, if you just said mutant instead of inhuman, it would still be the same. Well, and here's the problem. Like, Fox... Like, the X-Men is, like, kind of the one property that Fox has that they've continually been able to, like, make decent movies and keep pulling in money. So you know that's not going to go back to Marvel at any time. Oh, no. God, no. In the near future. Especially now because they're actually kind of at a high point. Uh, you know, here's the thing, though. I think it's going to fall off real quick. You, you don't think Apocalypse is going to sustain the... Apocalypse is the last movie of this particular... Yes. Oh, good point. Because now we're going to lose And we're Jackman. losing Jackman after Wolverine yeah. 3. Although I, I did hear that Patrick Stewart is officially signed on for Professor X and Wolverine 3. So that's going to be cool to, to see him again. Yeah. It's been a while. I mean, we saw him in Days of Future Past for, what, 15 minutes? Something like that. <laughs> but... Um, Basically had a overgrown cameo in that movie. Yeah. I, I really do like... Um, oh, what's his name? Um... Professor X, uh, young young Professor X. Oh yeah, uh, McAvoy. Yeah, McAvoy. Um, I really do like him as as younger Professor X. Yeah. Um, see, this is actually one of the one thing that's making me a little bit confident about getting a new Wolverine, um, because all of the younger versions, for the most part, were fine. Uh, the only thing that I'm not quite sure I liked was Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique, because Jennifer Lawrence is a little too girl next door rather than being the femme fatale that uh, Mystique should be. But I didn't like her as much in first class but i started to like her more with days of future past uh yeah that's true i agree with that uh, yeah i was in the same boat of uh eh, it's all right and then days of future she's, past sold me I was she's like, no rebecca romaine though no 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 speaking of people that have been in two marvel movies as different characters who was uh she was in the first punisher too she was kind of the oh the yeah i totally remember that complex, yep yep yep, yep. Uh, with oh, tom sh- jane that's right so all right, so uh, we've got some other good news. Um, we can get other MCU characters in the new Spider-Man reboot because that's going to be actually kind of a joint venture thingy. Yeah, actually, this is kind of cool because I've heard this from two different angles now, mm-hmm. um, and I just I don't even know how I didn't hear about it originally. Although I think this news broke I probably one or two months before we actually started doing our podcast, so I might not have been totally into yeah. absorbing everything off the internet that I possibly can. But um, weird. I was actually listening to Hollywood Babylon, and I'm I'm right about like I think February March of last year when oh. they first announced this deal between Sony and Marvel. Oh, okay, and they actually broke that news then. Like they talked about how they they were going to be able to use those characters in the the new Spider Man universe as well. Um, the the thing is, which was really unique about this deal, is this is 100 percent a deal that was made by two companies that didn't do it for money they wanted to be able to kind of piggyback off of each other to get the movie they're not sharing funds like that's the that's the thing is like when they bring mcu characters into the sony spider-man it's all sony marvel studios slash disney doesn't get money from that and when they use spider-man in the mcu sony doesn't get money from that um so this is kind of a unique deal because it wasn't i mean it was about money so to speak but i think it the idea is Let's not pay each other. Let's just use these characters and generate revenue because that's what's going to help. Yeah, actually, this is a it's sort of a weird Hollywood working out finally because I never thought that this was going to happen like right up until it was announced. And this is actually a pretty solid deal because uh, the MCU gets Spider-Man, which I'm sure they have been desperately wanting for basically the entire time that they've been making movies. <clears throat> and Sony gets somebody who knows how to write Spider-Man. Um, you know, which is going to be another big boon for their franchise, and maybe they'll be able to go three, two. Maybe they'll make it to a third movie uh, without you know without totally completely fucking, fucking it up. Yeah. up. Yeah, 
this is yeah um i just it's it's not an everyday thing when when a deal like this can come together considering especially two huge studios i mean there's nobody bigger than disney and i mean uh sony's not you think that's what happened disney just walked in and slapped its big disney dick on the table and was like (laughs) what are you gonna do here's the deal you're gonna let us help you with spider-man or you can just put this in your mouth right now (laughs) either way you're taking it yeah um i'm sure that there was something like that um, They're like, hey, see this truckload of money we're making with fucking Ant-Man and you can't figure out how to make a decent Spider-Man movie? Yeah, well. Let's be fair. Amazing Spider-Man was decent. It was. And actually, was, I did yes. kind of like Spider-Man, the, the second one. I at least Amazing I, Spider-Man 2? <clears throat> yeah. I felt like it was much like BVS at that point with the Amazing Spider-Man 2 as far as like, I left the theater going, it wasn't terrible. Here's, yeah. here's what I liked about it, though. <clears throat> the ending made sense, unlike the Lex Luthor scene in, in BVS. Yeah. yeah, well, because yeah. they didn't cut out a big scene that would yeah. have actually made the ending mid sense. Uh, they they actually did the ballsy thing and killed Gwen Stacy, a la comic books from years and years past. That was the was one thing amazing. that I freaked out about in the theaters. Yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. oh my fuck. And I love Emma Stone, and I would have kept watching her come back as Gwen Stacy innumerable times. But mm-hmm. uh, the fact that they were just like, you know what, this is what they did in the comic books. This is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was amazing. Um, excuse me. Um, the other thing too about it though that I really dug was the dude that played uh, Norman Osborn or Harry Osborn. Sorry. Yeah, I don't remember his name at all, but I know who you're talking about. He reminded me of a of a super young Leo DiCaprio, and yeah, kind of acted did. a lot like him too. Which I mean, Leo acts his ass off, so I didn't have a problem with that. So I really, really dug that kid and the dynamic between him and Peter and stuff like that. And it. And it Unlike the original Spider-Man movies, the Sam Raimi movies, like I didn't have as hard of a time believing that this Harry would just turn on Peter yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they actually told that story really well. And a lot of people were down on, on Electro. Um, and I maybe wouldn't have cast Jamie Foxx. I, I was. I didn't like Electro. And like it, the cringiest parts of that movie to me were things involving Electro. But did you not see how well they did a, about bringing Electro from the Ultimate Universe in, though? Because that was totally Ultimate Universe Electro. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't really have a problem with that. I just, I, I don't think actually Jamie Foxx is the right person for that role. Yeah, no, and I don't yeah, think I that a lot of his dialogue was really like. It, he may have been able to do better. Like he, I maybe it wouldn't be saying that if his dialogue wasn't so bad in some his places. His dialogue was cringeable. Like it was like Schwarzenegger and, and uh, Batman and Robin. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Freeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, th- this is good for everybody. We're going to get a decent Spider-Man. Hopefully. I mean, fingers crossed. I, I am a little nervous about this one. But I, you know, I, I have a lot of faith because uh, getting it back in Marvel's hands and Marvel's already shown that it can do some good things with uh, um, their, their properties. Yeah. And right now, big money is that the cameo that we're going to get in, in the first Spider-Man movie is Tony Stark. Dude, I actually, when you said we're going to get um, MCU characters, that was the first thing that jumped to mind because Tony, Tony and Peter Parker have had a relationship in multiple different iterations now. Um, and even so far as to go into the Miles Morales universe, like that's one of the name drops this, you know, this last issue was, uh, what if, what if Iron Man calls me, you know? like Yeah. Well, and this is, this is kind of one of those things where if they bring in Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark slash Iron Man as as the the Marvel MCU character that comes into this instant credibility. Yeah, and you know he's not going to take bad direction or read bad dialogue. 
Like, yeah. because he knows that character so well at this point in time, he's going to be like, nope, he'll probably come go up fucking rewrite this. Like, yeah. Or he'll come up with it off the cuff. Yeah, he'll, he'll just, just like, do whatever he wants. And Yeah, so that would actually be really funny. So we want you to give this line, and he's just like, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to. Here's what we're going to do instead. You know, like, and I think he's probably got the credibility at this point that he could do that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I watched I watched a really cute video of him um, taking a, a prosthetic arm because that's one of the charities that he does. Oh, so did I. I think we, we may have even talked about this on the show. He takes his prosthetic arm to this kid, but he went as Tony Stark. Yeah. And, yeah. like... Had a briefcase and everything. Yeah, to- and, and, and was like... Just... It looked like he was fucking Tony Stark. Like, he walks in, he's like... And, and his dialogue was just like out of one of those movies and he didn't have a writer for that shit you know what i mean so that's yeah that's he gets I mean. like, he, he just gets this. the character <laughs> yeah or 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 the character is him i was gonna say right? i yeah. think it's i think it's a little bit of both yeah. of both sense. because it, he, he's a departure from the uh the, the comic especially the first three iron man movies do kind of parallel his his life a little bit yeah minus prison time yeah and i mean the <laughs> i mean joss whedon himself said when Kevin Feige hired RDJ as Iron Man, he was like, that was the dopest move you could have made. And he was the only one in Hollywood that hired him. Like, yeah. nobody yeah. else at Disney, or actually at the time, it was just Marvel Studios they hadn't been bought yet. John um, Favreau was, like, beating down that door. Like, yeah, you Favreau need this wanted guy. to hire him, and nobody else did. And he was like, here's the deal. This is, this is the way we're going to go if you want me to direct. And they were like, all right, but don't come crying to me, you know? Yeah. I, I think actually what they were like was like, oh man, our insurance for this picture just got like way yeah. higher. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, all good things. And he Please. had a ridiculous, uh, they had a ridiculous insurance policy built into his contract too because if he relapsed and went back to rehab or prison, like he had to pay that. That's what I'm money. saying. Like that's why you don't want to, uh, lo- why a lot of actors with similar stories get blackballed into doing, you know, bullshit sci-fi movies um, as in the Siffy channel. Uh, because they just can't get insured to work anywhere else, you know, uh, um, essentially, um, because that shit gets really expensive. You know, if the, if all of a sudden the star goes off the deep end and you have to halt your, uh, you know, hundred million dollar project production in some cases. Yeah. But man, look at how well that turned out for everybody. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on to our last TV talk of the week. Uh, 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 this yeah, we're booking. You watched Walking bullshit. Dead, Ryan. I did watch Walking See, but Dead. I have the we contrast. We were talking we, about it. He's got the contrasting viewpoint. Me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. So here's the deal. I I texted Eddie about this episode after I watched it. Um. Because I think he and I will probably watch it probably relatively close to to one another. Um. And I texted him like, "So did you watch The Walking Dead?" And he was like, "You mean National Lampoon Zombie Vacation?" And I was like, <laughs> "That was probably." The second best title I've heard for it, because obviously the best title was mine, which yeah, uh, actually came from my wife because I stole that mine from the internet. <laughs> dude, dude, my my wife was watching the the whole Negan scene play out, and yeah. she was like, "I feel like this is like just the largest game of just the tip that TV has ever played with us." Yeah, see, in in, in my position, nobody ever should stop at the tip. Nobody usually does. That's yeah, no. that's that's the whole idea behind just the tip is uh, eventually you know you're gonna get that shit all the way in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so quick rundown of the episode: we get a long. Um, so it's a long episode. I think they they were it's a bunch some, of dudes in a fucking motorhome. <laughs> yeah, everybody goes riding around in the motorhome trying to take uh, uh, Maggie to the hilltop because the hilltop's got the only remaining doctor. 
um, that we know of. Because Maggie appears to be having some severe stomach pain, and actually, it's really fucking her shit up. Like, it, for yeah, like they're 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 concerned she's gonna lose the baby, and she's all feverish and shit. So now, yeah, I think actually the concern, at least for as a viewer, the concern for me became they're they're not gonna lose the baby, they're gonna lose the whole shenanigans. Like Maggie's gonna go too, um, which you know can happen in pregnancy. I don't know how that would happen this early. How far along is she in the comic I books? I don't know because she's thing, not though. showing yet. No. She... Yeah, so she can't be. Six, eight weeks, you know? I, Dude. Maybe a off, month or two. Maybe a month. Totally, totally off topic, sort of. But have you guys seen Lauren Cohen in, like, in real life, so to speak? Huh? That chick uh-huh. is amazingly tall, and she's a good-looking broad. Yeah? Like, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, they have to cover her in grime, and she's still totally hot. I know. Yeah. So, um... They have to get her to the hilltop, so they try taking this one route. You know, they're trying to avoid the saviors because they know at this point that the saviors are out there. And, you know, they immediately run into a savior blockade with, um, what's his face? It looks like Doug Stamper from House of Cards. Uh, but like yeah. porn version of Doug Stamper. Yeah, the the 70s dude with the with the porn sash. And here's the thing. All right, we're going we're gonna to take a break for a minute. It's killing me. I'm like, Mr. Oh. Mr. Bailey's got a small bladder. <laughs> Oh, with how many liquids I've had? I don't think so. You've had a beer and a half! I've had... Oh, I guess you're drinking coffee, before too. before this at Los Dos. <laughs> my second one and coffee. I'm like, ugh. So he works at the home. Mm-hmm. And we have these conversations oh, as man. we pass by each other anyway. Yeah. Like, if we're walking down... <laughs> the... In fact, he's probably sat in that chair... More times than you ever have because that came out of the rehab office at Night Night Home. Excellent. It's like old times. Old yeah. times. It didn't have the, the nifty duct, duct tape on it at that point. Yeah, I do like this duct tape. Can't remember if that's Emmy or Jadis. They each bought two rolls in their own fancy duct tape, which I think I'm going to end up taping the bumper of my car up with. Nice. Because it where it's cracked when I drive, especially when I get up to like the speed limit and whatnot. Wow. Like it, yeah, it starts to catch wind and so, so I need to go to the junkyard and just pull a bumper off of another Malibu and put it on. Yeah. I want to find another gold one though. Cause I don't want to be that jackass that has like the, <laughs> the bumper. That's just completely the wrong color. You're like, I know I'm poor. I don't need everybody else to know it too. That's how my car is right now too. Cause all the paints all, um, completely oxidized and peeling off everywhere. And it's kind of like, well, shit. Yeah. That Maxima out there has got the the paint peeled off the front because, and that was actually a problem with that run of Maxima too. Like that was one of the, like they, I don't know if they did a recall or whatnot, but it was definitely a thing. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. At this point though, like I could paint the car, which is probably going to cost, you know, a third of the value of the car, or I could just drive it until it falls apart and not give a shit about it. And that's probably what I'll do because I'm not really like a super hung up about cars. Anyway. I remember when you and Ash bought that thing. Yeah. So, I was just explaining to Eddie that you've probably sat in that chair more times than he has because that's out of the rehab office. Yeah. Shit, it is? Yeah. Before they got all the new ones. I probably have. Yeah. yeah. It's seen better days, so. It certainly has, but it was free. Yeah. I like free. This one was too yeah. because it was all fucked up. Like, it was pitched way forward, and I couldn't figure out how to fix it, and then Eddie came over one day, and he's like, I can't sit in this anymore. And just fixed it. I was like, "How'd you do that?" He's like, "Manhandle, bitch!" And then I took it, and it's my chair upstairs now. Yeah. All right, everybody, we're back, and we're talking about The Walking Dead. Um, 
so yeah they all go around uh driving around this the the whole you know wherever what are they are they still in georgia i know they're in no they're, in like, no. they're like dc yeah area. they're like dc area so they're driving around dc um you know the wooded land of dc trying to get to the hilltop and basically being blocked at every path yeah, i assume they're probably in maryland or some something like that yeah so. exactly um yeah um here's the thing man like when that road was blockaded I knew that every other fucking road was going to be blockaded yeah. too. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like when, as soon as they took off, I'm like, yep. Um, only cool part about this whole thing, um, was when they went to the one with the logs that then caught fire. And then the dude came flying off the fucking trellis. Yeah. <laughs> it was all they spray painted earlier. Uh, yeah. Trellis. Is that the, no, that's not the right word. It was a, it was a bridge. It was a bridge. Yeah. It was a train bridge. Oh Trestle. yeah. Trestle. 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 Right there you that. go trellis you and your fancy talk yeah um, um so anyway yeah like that that part was kind of cool um but uh yeah i kind of knew this was going to be a big back and forth thing um and for a nicotero directed episode this was kind of a straightforward episode because usually when nicotero directs like there's some weird fucked up shit that he tries to do with it um and that didn't really happen throughout most of the episode. The only thing that I didn't like, though, was that we didn't really see much of anything else going on back in Alexandria or anything else mm-hmm. either. Um, but that's because every fucking buddy important in Alexandria was either in that motorhome or captured. Yeah, seriously. So, they were like... Um, and or looking for Carol. Right. Right. Yeah. It, 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 that that does get a little stupid, I think, because um, the comics does a little bit better job of this, where they don't separate like everybody. The, the, it, it's exactly, I think I said this in the la- last episode, where they're like, uh, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, you're all going on the away team. Uh, Red shirt one and two, you're taking the shuttle. And you're just like, well, that shuttle's not going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they're, they're uh, leaving all the Alexandrians behind, and it was just sort of like, uh, we're going to take all of the main characters, you know, that aren't still here basically like, including carl like the whole point of carl being a badass these days is you can put him in charge when you yeah. leave yeah mm-hmm. like that's um but i think i think carl did the whole i'm a man thing so i'm gonna go anywhere or some yeah. shit like that so we, we did see something really cool which eddie called the week before um which when morgan uh finally capped a dude yeah that was kind of a big deal um we saw the guys ride up on the horses and uh, those guys are obviously... Have you read the comics? I have not read the comics, no. Okay. I have wanted to, but have never gotten the opportunity I can to. change that. That's I, got like all of them. I can't wait. Um, so there's... Um, aside from the Alexandrians and aside from the Saviors, there's a third group called the Kingdom. Yeah. Okay. And they're led by this crazy white-haired black dude with a tiger Ezekiel? named Ezekiel. Yep. Okay, I've heard of him. Um, and we haven't seen Ezekiel yet, but these dudes that, that came to the rescue of Morgan and Carol are very obviously from the kingdom. And so that's... See, I'm wondering if they're going to get his his uh, comic book pet, or if it's just going to be like a little tabby cat, and they're going to be like, budget cuts. That would be funny. Yeah. That'd we don't have funny. the CG budget. Like, this isn't uh, Life of Pi or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that that part was really cool. Honestly, I think the only the only problem that I mean, aside from the back and forth with the motorhome, which was kind of well, okay, monotonous. I have two big problems with this episode. Number one is they extended the episode 
and did next to nothing. Like, first off, I'm not one of the people that usually complains about every episode not being full on action all the time. Like, I really like like it's a character drama a thing. Like, it's all about the characters in The Walking Dead, both the comics and the, the TV show has really largely been d- driven by the character development, which means dialogue heavy stories and so on and so forth. And that's fine. Every now and then the dialogue gets a little cringy because there's only so much of, you know, saying stuff like uh, we can't go back to the way it was before and this is the way things are now, you know, yeah. uh, and coral but uh coral coral (laughs) get in the house coral uh anyway we can only do so much of that before it gets a little annoying but um definitely this episode was you know like it wasn't necessarily character uh development like there wasn't a part where i looked at that and i was like oh yeah that's really driving who that character is it was just kind of like nope they drive around in an rv for an hour they extended the episode for half an hour and we got maybe five minutes character development with eugene but that character development one thing with carl that carl said when the the first time they stopped the rv is like he said this is where we make our stand like just kill these guys we can go forward there's like what four or five of these guys, yeah, mm-hmm. and they massed in numbers as they went along. Yeah, they totally. And that was to Carl saying, "Hey, Dad, how about we kill these motherfuckers and move forward?" Rick, no, Carl, freak- we do it on our terms. Yeah, I really love that because a Car- Carl's just like, like he's he's they're clearly showing what a screwed up psyche this kid's gonna grow up with. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he he jumps to murder. Like he, yeah, it's he's like, like it's fucking five five six guys yeah. on motorcycles. Just fucking just, off them. Yeah, just waste like, them. <laughs> they're done. Yeah. Um, so that that's a little uh, that that part is a little interesting to me. And the other thing the, is how the whole thing, and uh, to to coin one of your favorite terms, like this whole thing was just one giant MacGuffin just to get us to Negan. Yeah. And so here's the thing that bugs me about this is because um, here's what this last scene with Negan should have done that it failed to execute, and that is uh, so we start at the beginning of the episode with Carl saying essentially let's just kill these fuckers even though we're outnumbered we're just basically standing like they have the worst tactical position like all the saviors had to do at that point was just light that fucking van up like there's no amount of cover that was going to save all of them or not take down some of our heroes with them and the only reason they didn't is because it became clear by the end of the episode and in the comics as well that Negan didn't want them dead Um, that's the only reason that didn't happen and why they were uh, okay, so we start to see a little bit of vulnerability in the Alexandrians, which at this point, I mean, they just took out a whole base full of these guys. Right. You know, they killed like 50 guys with no no losses. Like That's, they, that's what irritated me. Their KD me. ratio at this point is ridiculous. That's what mm-hmm. irritated me is because they just did that, but then they run from the five guys on motorcycles. Like, see, just so, tell fucking Abraham to step on it, stick your guns out the windows, and go. <laughs> just start. Like, yeah. Yeah. Turn your gun sideways, pull a drive by like it's South Central. Well, and here's the thing, man. What happened to the RPG? I I don't know that they had more I know. rockets other than the one that Daryl lit those guys up with the first time. Yeah. Didn't they bring back a case? I'm pretty sure because there was ammo on that on the truck that he had found it on. Yeah, I don't maybe know. Maybe they they only packed like picnic gear for this one. Or maybe that comes into play later. I mean, I don't know. But uh, well, it has to because we're leading up to the next big thing, which I don't want to spoil for you because this is going to be the next season war storyline. Yeah. So let's, I guess, let's just fucking address the big leather jacket in the room. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm gonna start off before I totally shit on this fucking episode. <laughs> I'm gonna start off by saying Jeffrey Dean Morgan killed it as the character of Negan. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I really dug him, especially with the TV limitations. Like one of the things, if you're not a comic book creator, Jeffrey Dean, uh, sorry, Negan 
has a very colorful vocabulary. It's well, just amazing. It's I don't, less colorful than he just says fuck every other word. Yeah, fuck, fuckity fuck. Like, those yeah. are common terms in the Negan, Negan's vocabulary. Um, but he does, uh, they do get a little bit of that stuff with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like, even the PP pants line or whatever he said. Yeah. That was, like, straight up Negan. So. Yeah. No, I thought that was really well executed. Um, and also, just, uh, here's something that I've, I've heard out on the internets. Um, if you buy the Blu-ray or DVD um, season, heard this too. you're, you're going to get the full uncut heard Negan that scene. So that's that's going to be pretty cool. I'm I don't actually usually buy the seasons of this show, but, but that might I'm be probably worth it. going to just for that. Yeah, I was just going to say I I'm not probably going to buy the season of the show, but I look forward to watching it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I'll buy it and you can borrow mine. Whatever. I, I mean, this isn't going to be like I, uh, this wouldn't be one of those ones where I'd want to necessarily watch the whole thing anyway. I'd just put the Blu-ray in or whatever and flip to the last five minutes. So. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing about this scene that is really, really dumb on AMC's part. Um, the whole point of this scene is to give vulnerability back to the Alexandrians. Because in both the comics and in the show, especially in the show now, they've they've actually played this up in the show to 11. Like, the, the, uh, the, the Alexandrians, our heroes essentially, are basically nigh-on invincible at this it point. It really started with the whole Terminus storyline when they got locked in the fucking uh, train car and yeah. Rick's like, they don't know who they're messing with. Yeah. So, um, and that was a bit of a departure from how they handled the comic book storyline with the whole uh, um, Hunters and all that stuff. Yeah, because we didn't really have Terminus at all in the, in the Yeah, books. so they just decided, you know what, our, our guys are going to be hardcore badasses now. And so, uh, in the comics, they were, um, you know, sort of badasses in the Wasteland, but not nearly so much as the... Um, uh, TV counterparts. So they've been playing that up to 11 for, you know, the whole season. And I've been going along with it because I was expecting a big thing at the end of the scene. And then they totally blue balled us and like next season on the walking dead. Yeah. Here's the deal. Um, so what they ended up doing is, uh, he played a big game, any, mini money, mo, which again, totally a nigging thing to do. And I didn't have a problem with that aspect of it. The, the jump cuts like between all the characters are like like that got a little like uh night like 1960s batman like who will they kill off in this episode They're, if you'd like blah vote jumping, for jumping back a little bit before we actually go into the death the death scene this scene kind of really bothered me from the onset because when they got when all the whistling started and then there was like the music and it was like you know like yeah. the, and i'm like can we just fucking stop now? Yeah. Can Negan just come out now? Because I'm done listening to the bullshit noises. Like, like they've been playing this one up for a like. They were trying to sell this way too hard. Like the the um, first off, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was amazing as Negan, but th- this isn't The Walking Dead. Like that's not how The Walking Dead works. Like one of the things that I like about The Walking Dead, especially the comic books, is that shit just kind of happens. Yeah. Like th- they've been really selling this in the show way harder than they need to be, and it would have been a lot more. Um, if, if he had just walked in, given a four second speech and just fucked some guy up, you know, again, uh, he actually has the spoiler for this. So he knows in the comic books, again, spoilers, if you're not a fan of the comic books, it's Glenn that gets the bat. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if they had done that, if Negan just walked out and was basically, you know, did most of the things he did and they didn't play it up so hard, you know, throughout the whole season. Uh, this I think would have been a lot more impactful because now all of a sudden we have a real big bad back in the Walking Dead universe and um, we've, we've got consequences for our heroes again. Like yeah. one of the things that was originally interesting about the Walking Dead is lots of characters died. Like if they, you go back, we, we've only got a v- very few characters left over from season one our, at this our, point. Our core group in the TV series hasn't been vulnerable since the governor. 
No. No. And so this is the first time since the governor that they are vulnerable again. Uh, and, and here's the thing, like, I guess we just talk about it. So they go to it and then it just goes to a first person view of the person getting hit. So you're looking at Negan as he's striking you. Yep. Um, and then it just fades to black and that's the end of the episode. Like we're done at that point. Uh, here's the thing. And this is my theory. And Eddie has a different theory, but um, we'll we'll let him get to that afterward. To me, this reeks of a production company slash network that wants to keep ratings up. They want everybody to tune in for season seven. Um, more importantly, what they want is for people to watch Fear the Walking Dead. Um, my theory on this is that they're killing Daryl. And they didn't mm. want to do that at the end of season six because then they 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 took a big chance that nobody tunes in at, for season seven because Daryl is such a popular character. Um, they 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 kill off Daryl but don't let you know that until season seven. Then you at least have a giant ratings boost for season seven, and the number of people that are pissed off about that don't not watch the Fear the Walking Dead because they're pissed off at the main Walking Dead series. So this is all about keeping people watching the show. Um, for the uh, off-season show, the the new the new show, and you get them to tune in for the season premiere. Whether or not they stay on board after that doesn't really matter because once you've premiered big, see you're good. Okay, so I have a yeah, I do have a little bit of a different theory, or you know, actually a similar um, that would actually be part of my thought with why they're doing this. But I want to let Ryan go for a little bit because um, as much as we're complaining about that, like it seemed like you liked it. I I did enjoy it because. I didn't read the comic books. I know of, obviously, Glenn uh, being the guy that gets offed in the comics. But I came into it as a viewer of going, okay, I like the fact that they kept the suspense for the opening of the seventh, of the seventh season. Going, okay, we, we, want, we want viewers, but I don't think it'll be Daryl. I actually think they will change it from the comic books and make it Glenn's counterpart being Maggie. That's another rumor I said. Because there was other things going around saying that this scene made her want to quit The Walking Dead, but at the same time, they could just... <laughs> it made me want to quit uh, when they fired me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, yeah, when they fired me. So, and it would be also to the female audience of them also killing a child and a mother. Like, that would be majorly controversial to whatever they were doing in the seventh season. And it would give them more to play off I feel in the opener to the seventh all right so um a couple of things uh so as comic book fans one of the things that I like about watching the walking dead tv show is that there's a lot of differences between the comic books the storylines are roughly the same um we do have a big Negan scene in the in the comic books but that cast of characters that we play the any many mighty goat mo game is would be completely different if they did the same thing in the uh the comics um you know we still have Andrea in the comics Carol's been gone for a long time in the Spoilers. comics yeah uh there's lots of differences Daryl doesn't even exist in the comics right. um that, so yeah. we have you know three major fan favorite characters that uh um you know could be just as likely to get the bat Carol's not so much a fan favorite anymore I got to Carol the last couple of like season two, I actually have really liked Carol for the last little bit, but the last couple of seasons, they took a little bit of a uh, writing departure from her. Like they've been portraying her as this ultimate badass. As for soon like, as she's weak, I'm just like, nope, get her out of there. 
Yeah, I'm it was done. like I think I think they're losing something with Carol's arc there because the whole thing about Carol being this badass is she went from being this ultra meek, weak character into this you know sort of super badass uh, that she is these days. Here's the thing: I'm a big fan of cliffhangers. Um, in fact, when these guys got here tonight, um, I was watching Stargate SG. Well, it might have been turned off by the time you got here. Yeah, um, it was when I came. Yes, yeah. but I was I was watching yeah, Stargate SG One. For like I don't know the fourth or fifth time through because I've seen that series a whole bunch of times. Those I think up until the last no I think every season almost end, ends a, in, a, in a cliffhanger. Yeah, they really do, and uh, it's okay because there's not the expectation that um, a story that has been hyped to have been told, yeah, is going to be told. Like it's the season finale. Like, you're watching it. Oh, what happens to our team? And because this was a, um, I don't want to say low budget, but this was a Showtime original series that eventually got bought out by uh, Sci-Fi when it was still Sci-Fi. Yep. Uh, there was never a guarantee that we were going to get those characters back the next season. No. Um, and, in fact, um, Stargate Universe Season 2 ends in a cliffhanger, and we didn't get the series back. Yeah. We still don't know what happened, at, you know, at the end of that. So... Uh, that's that's one of those th- that's the key difference here though is like we know we're getting season 7 of The Walking Dead and there's literally no point in ending it in a cliffhanger see exactly the thing is the fans of this show are fans of the show we're gonna watch this season 7 premiere there's no fucking way we're not gonna watch the season 7 premiere the thing that um, don't get me wrong I think a lot of people will be pissed off no matter who you kill, uh, really, I think the only safe bet in that group right now is if they killed Aaron, like it, it, uh, because Aaron's like the only like non-core character basically that they brought along on the trip. I, I think we texted about this because we we're we we're talking about do they go through with killing off an important character or do they just kill Aaron? And I think I kind of played out that scene where like Negan kills him. Yeah. He's like, I just killed your boy, Rick, and Rick's like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they killed Aaron off, I'd just be like, oh, okay. like the most you're guilty of was... is a hate crime at this point. Yeah. So that's yeah. my theory. That's kind of my theory on on what they're doing here. What they're doing essentially is being totally uh, uh, ballless. Like, right. what they're doing is they're buying themselves some more times because I shit you not, I don't think they even know who they killed. The at cast this point. doesn't know. The cast yeah, doesn't. Every know. single cast member has been like. We Didn't they make seen... like a pact or Chan- something Chandler like that? Riggs, or... Chandler Riggs tweeted right after the episode aired, like, "Yeah, guys, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. He, I don't even know who it is." He tweeted uh, Chris Hardwick too during the Talking Dead. Yeah, and was like, "I'm in the same boat, guys." Yeah, like it's it's all yeah. Good. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think really the, this is the episode, or the the um, producers and stuff like that being totally ballless and not wanting to kill all these characters because at this point they're essentially all fan favorites and they've gotten enough development for each of them. But that's exactly why they need to kill one of those people because they need to show vulnerability back to the Alexandrians and they need to show just what a fucking threat Negan is. Well, and here's the deal. I think this was a decision that was made and Kirkman kind of went along with it. Um, Gimple was the first one that came out on The Talking Dead because I watch that show most of the time. I don't watch it all the time, but I watch it most of the time. Um, And Gimple was like, I really like the idea of a cliffhanger, this, that, and the other thing. And then Kirkman kind of echoed those sentiments as well. But then when they were talking about um, the final scene... And all the, the camera cuts and the angles and stuff like that. And Hardwick was like, you know, there's going to be somebody in there, like, pouring through this and, and trying to find the angles and stuff like that. And Kirkman was like, yeah, we, we left Easter eggs. 
Like, yeah. kind of almost like daring people to be like, yeah, there's, you, you can figure it out if you try. Like, almost like he didn't really want to do the cliffhanger kind of thing, but kind of had to tow the company line Did at that point. Did you guys see the video of, like, the uh, audio slowed down of when Negan's killing it, and it mm-hmm. sounds like... You can hear Maggie yell Glenn. Yeah, yeah. Maggie yell Glenn. Or, and Glenn yell Mag, or... Yeah. So, uh, so a bit of an aside. <laughs> uh, uh, Steven Yeun, who plays Glenn on The Walking Dead, if you're not familiar, yeah. is a hockey fan. Yeah. And he got in an argument uh, with... Um, I can't remember which team... Uh, I want to say it was the Flyers or something like that. but Philadelphia it, Flyers? Uh, something. I don't remember. Um, but he was having an argument with a, a hockey team, and they were going back and forth. And, and the um, hockey team was like, hey, you should come run our Twitter for us, because I think we've heard you might have a lot of time on your hands pretty soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they they actually went back and forth uh, for a little while, and it was hilarious. Steven Yoon, uh... when, when they killed his character off in... Uh, issue number 100 of the comic book yeah. was fucking livid. Yeah. Like, he was fucking pissed yeah. when that happened. And they were even nowhere near that. Again, that was like season two or three, you know, when that happened, so. Yeah. Um, and at I that point... I would be too, I wouldn't be getting a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, they they were following the comics a little bit more closely in they terms were. of character deaths and stuff like that. So, at that point, if I were him, I would have been super pissed. But right now, I'm honestly not convinced that it's going to be Glenn. Um, we've been talking about this for a while and we've been, had different theories and I was really thinking they were going to kill Carol, especially with the arc they were going on. We know that's not a possibility now since she's not even fucking there. But um, another interesting thing, isn't it Michonne in the comics that first runs into the kingdom? I believe so. I think it is. You've read them more recently than I have, so. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. So that, that's a little bit of a deviation too. Um, but yeah, I just... But we don't have Morgan at this point in the comic books either. Good point. So... So, I don't know, this this whole scene just pisses me off because we, uh, Ryan and I were talking about this while you were putting your kid to bed, but um, Game of Thrones. I know Matt doesn't watch Game of Thrones, and I'm not going to spoil it because this is the most um, spoiler-free group of fans that's ever existed in history, and like I, f- I fear that like if I just mention the name of a character who appears in like book five, I'm going to get lynched or something like that by the right. whole internet. Um, but everybody's heard the term the Red Wedding. Right. It's a pivotal scene in the show, uh, and for reasons I won't go into, but it, 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 to me, tonally feels very similar to what this scene should have been. Um, yeah, and I don't know much about The Walking Dead, but I am very familiar with the concept of the Red Wedding and, and things that happened during that, yeah. um, without spoiling it myself, because I don't want to get lynched by the internet, especially over a show I've never even fucking watched, but... Um, <laughs> That would be funny if you just accidentally casually dropped spoilers and you didn't even know. Right. <laughs> you're just like sitting there. There's at t- dragons. Yeah, doing, oh. <laughs> doing a conference or something like that. And you're like, oh, Snape kills Dumbledore. <laughs> and everybody's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to die. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, this and, and I, I get where Ryan's coming from with his point. Um, I just can't bring myself around to believing that it's as innocent as that. See. The uh, other thing that I think they said on the Talking Dead, maybe, um, or maybe just in interviews given after the episode aired, was along the lines of, like, that's where this story ends. You know, this story ends with a... Yeah, they did talk about that on Talking Dead. So what I'm wondering is if they're not even going to show the death. I don't think they're going to show that the death, but they're going to go through the me. they're going to go through the morning. Pro- they're not going to show it. I, 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 I don't guarantee. I don't think they're going to show it. I think they're going to show, like, some aftermath of, like, whoever crying or whatever and being right. like, oh, let no or something like that. Yeah, that's... 
That's exactly what they're going to do. And uh, it, that's sort of upsetting because if they're going to do what they should have been doing is showing the aftermath, just like the comics did, actually. You show the death and then you do a little bit of a time skippy thing uh, um, into the future a little bit and show the next chapter of the story um, rather than sort of ending it in the uh, denouement of the current chapter. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this was a really poor way to go. I mean, there's... There, I can't be nice about it at this point. I just think that this was a stupid decision. Um, yeah. And, and I think... I think it almost takes away from what you can do with Negan when you don't show that brutality and you don't show that you're going to have him kill off an important character in his introduction. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. obviously, we know he killed somebody, but we don't know who it is. And we had to we had to play the cliffhanger game and all that kind of stuff. If he just walks out and fucking just bats Glenn or Daryl or whoever the fuck he's whoever they whoever they're gonna kill, I think it adds a lot more to Negan's character and it adds a lot more to just the overall balls of the of the story and the people telling the story. Yeah. So I it's just I would have almost liked it if say they killed off a character but Negan didn't give his speech. He just walked out and just bashed some dude in the head. And then gave his speech. Yeah, you gotta have Negan talk though. Negan, that that yeah, that's so the thing about Negan that you you're, gotta, you're not really the, you're yeah. not you're not okay. wrong from a like a storytelling standpoint. If it if it were not any already, other character but Negan, I would say you're totally right. Yeah, if it were not like already see, this is the thing uh, the problem that we're having that you're not is being comic fans. And I saw a pretty heavy divide on this even um, outside of you know just the three of us. Um, the comic book fans were really the ones that like when I was watching like on Reddit they do show threads and there's like a show thread for um, comic book readers and there's a show thread for non-comic book readers and the the one for comic book readers was much more on our side of the table right um, than not the other one was kind of like well uh, you know there were some lukewarm responses I think on on the um, you know whole finale um but the comic book side was just like you guys are gutless and you really kind of fucked up one of the most iconic scenes in the comics yeah so you gotta still have negan talk because that's his thing yeah like he i don't know that negan gets angry more than two or three times throughout the entire run of the comics so far Uh uh-huh he kind of by the way he played off on the series he kind of got me as this guy that was like okay i don't really care what happens but if you kill my people i'm gonna fuck you up kind of a sense like he doesn't really he's he's uh, like a psychopathic despot like um yeah essentially he he doesn't really he doesn't care like he doesn't care that you killed this person he's like oh my god you killed frank and i love that guy he's like oh you killed you know worker number 357 who shocks bullets for us or something like that yeah um, so that's what all I care about, about is that this guy is no longer productive for me because you killed him and now yeah yeah you're going. I mean down. he that's he does like... get ever so slightly less sociopathic tendencies or or a little bit uh, more of a human explanation later on and maybe they do that in the show a little bit better. I think the show has a potential I think to give him more of a 3D treatment than he is in the comics. Um, but that that's sort of a quintessential thing about Negan is that he's mouthy. Yeah yeah. All right. Well, that's The Walking Dead for this week. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you again in six months. And we're sorry, Aaron, for your, your newfound um, resume filling out experience. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Fear the Walking Dead, too, though. So that'll yeah, be we totally will. And actually, I am kind of How excited How is for that series, by the way? I got, like not watched... four, I got four episodes deep, and I kind of fell off. Um, 
Because I had other shit to do. There's only two more, so. Yeah, there's only six episodes. Bang them out. So, yeah, just, just hammer them out. They're actually really good. Um, I like the main kid uh, that plays. Uh, the crackhead kid? Young, young Johnny Depp, yeah. I yeah. like him. Um, and I like. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, the actor's name is Cliff. Uh, the the older dude, the one that's married. The father. Or, yeah, the, the father stepdad. figure, yeah. Yeah, to. Uh, the main chick, and I only know her by her other name is Colette because she played uh, Colette, the um, whorehouse owner on Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. But uh, yeah, no, the, I, I really enjoy the show. It's a completely different take on it because it shows kind of the initial happenings yeah. of it for sure. Where it went from like East Coast and started to come West Coast kind of thing. I got that vibe from it from like yeah. the first four episodes that I watched. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. These guys, people think that, oh, it's not going to get this far. The government's going to take care of it. It's not a problem. See, there's two things I like about the show. Number one is just what you're saying. Like we do get a little bit more of a, uh, this is the beginning part. Cause you know, the, the beginning of the walking dead skips the three week, you know, basically mm-hmm. fall of society, uh, and and shit's pretty fucked up by the time Rick is actually Rick is actually yeah. walking around. So I like that we're getting a little bit of that sort of destruction well, there was, there and chaos. Was the, there was the zombie uh, with the bike, yeah, where she kind of drag it. Was she dragging a bike? I don't remember, but like she was like didn't have a lower half of her torso, yeah. like crawling across the, the. Yeah, I think the bike was off to the side, and she was just kind of there, yeah, like no, reaching he, out. He, for yeah, you're right Rick. because Rick takes the bike. Rick's right. like, oh, okay. I got a new bike. Sweet. Yeah. Um. And Ryan, for for you, I mean, watching that first episode of the of the original Walking Dead. Um, in fact, what reading the first several issues and watching the first like season mm-hmm. or season and a half, they parallel really well. Like, I don't want to say you don't have to read the comic books if you read or if you watch the series because I, I I still think it's important to get that experience and whatnot, especially. Um, if you read that first story arc and then go back and watch the original um, premiere episode on the uh, the special edition uh, Blu-ray set that came out actually mm-hmm. has the uh, first episode in the original cut, which was black and white, just like the comic books are. Oh, that's awesome. And it was really cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But the other thing I like about Fear, Fear of the Walking Dead is um, the, the last part of the season finale. Uh, I don't I don't want to spoil it. There, there. Actually, this isn't really that big of a spoiler, so I'm gonna just go for it. Um, they go to the boat. They go find a boat. Essentially, yeah. they're like, "We're gonna go get get out on the water." And that's sort of like a, especially with the popularity that zombies have seen since the beginning of The Walking Dead. The you know popular you know water cooler thing is you know what's your zombie plan essentially and so you get all of these like i'm gonna go out on the boat i'm gonna go find a deserted island i'm going to hole up in a costco and you know yeah. whatever the thing is um so i i i'm hoping we see some more of that sort of shit like i want this almost to be like uh fear the walking dead a zombie fan fiction fan theory sort of you know show what's funny though is if you watch like the other uh some of the other uh uh zombie movies over the last you know, 20 years or whatever, like Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. There's things they do in Dawn of the Dead that seem really smart that they don't do in The Walking Dead. Like, armor your vehicles. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, You know what I mean? Like, why haven't... Like, Carol did it. Yeah, but that motor... Well, that was that wasn't armored, the, though. That was already set... That was set up as a barrier. That was, just, a, yeah, that was like yeah. the blockade. Yeah. Um, um, but, like, why didn't they stick a bunch of fucking steel plates inside of that motorhome and shit? You know what I mean? Like... 
it seems to me that that's the obvious solution in a situation like that. But you know, whatever. I mean, um, in the first season, I I give them that they're they're sort of doing these sorts of thing, the, these sorts of things. Um, but by now, and didn't I, Donna then end with them getting on a boat? Because the rich asshole, yeah, yeah. It did had a boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to go watch that again. I haven't watched that in years. Dawn of the Dead's actually Are we not talking a bad about movie. like the original Dawn of the Dead or well, the like two thousand remake. That the two thousand, yeah. the remake. Okay, yeah. So, um, and actually, Dawn of the Dead, the original, is it? Yeah, Dawn of the Dead, the original, is a little bit, actually, quite a bit different, really, from the whole zombie lore thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have a lot of similar tropes to it, though. Um, but yeah, I like the Dawn of the Dead remake, and actually, there was a sequel, but I can't remember what the name of it was. Land of the Dead. Yeah. It was not I never on par it. with Dawn of the Dead. No, sure. but although it did have John Leguizamo in it, there is there's a lot of like I don't know. There's just a lot of ideas that our characters. It's like, um, oh, Zack Snyder directed that. I don't think our hey, interesting. <laughs> I don't think our characters uh, have ever seen like. Does zombie fiction exist in The Walking Dead? I, I don't know. I don't know because that's one thing that bothers the hell out of me. Is like if zombies appeared tomorrow, I I feel like it'd take like ten minutes for us as a society to put them down. Yeah, we'd be like, um, we got shows about this, we got movies about this. Yeah. Like, Here's the thing that, that, this is the part that actually scares me. We wouldn't take it down that quickly. No, I feel like it depends on the zombie. If it's Dawn of the Dead, 28 Days Later zombie, where it runs at you, the fat people are fucked. Fast zombie, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, so, fast zombie shit will be World, World War Z. Stumbling over our corpses. World War Z when they're yeah. like running up each other to get up the walls and I'm shit not like fat, that. That but fucking I would freaks be me out. Fucked. Like, see, my that, cardio's not good. That's my th- <laughs> that's my thinking too. But like, I'm just talking about like you got a walking z- Walking Dead zombie coming at you. That guy looks fucked up. He's trying to eat your face off and shit like that. Like, first off, you're not just gonna stand there and be like, "Oh, Frank, you look a little under the weather. Why are you just groaning like that?" <laughs> um, you're at least gonna hold him back. Uh, you know, so maybe we get a couple, three, four, five zombies in the beginning. But I feel like once they're like, "Hey, is that guy eating people?" Should we shoot him or something? Yeah. Should we maybe not not let him do that? Yeah. What, what about the bath salts and the cops in Florida that shot that the bum yeah. that was eating the guy on bath salts? Like he, right. they, the cops were like, "Fuck him, he's dead." Yeah. Like, we're not playing this game. Yeah. <laughs> Officer requesting backup. Subject acting black. You know, like. That. <laughs> oh, oh god. Um, not because black people eat I faces, but just because if- cops like shooting them. Here's the thing, and I don't, I don't want to pretend like I'm funnier than I really am, but I have a feeling if this actually zombie apocalypse things happen, like, especially if like this group is involved, this is gonna be more like Shaun of the Dead than Dawn of the <laughs> <Totally>. Dead. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like I'm totally. out there with with records. Like, <laughs> see, like the Dawn, the 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 Walking Dead universe. Like, I'd I'd be game. I'd be like, okay, we're going camping for a while. Um, but like the twenty, like you were saying, twenty eight days later, uh, um, uh, recent dawn of the dead. Yeah, well, recent dawn wasn't even that bad. I don't think the only thing that was scary about recent dawn is the zombies were sort of quasi intelligent, or they were showing intelligence. Dude, the like that, that. Yeah, with the scene in the neighborhood, like in the little suburbs, and then like they like the main chick like wakes up in their bedroom or whatever, and then like there's a the little zombie girl in the thing, and it's. And, what? like, their doors open and shit. It's right. like, what? What freaks me out about that movie is the, the bad shit happens during the daylight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which obviously happens in The walk- Walking Dead as well now, but I don't think I don't think before Dawn of the Dead, that like, there was many movies in the horror genre where, like, bad shit happened in the daylight. Daylight was kind of when you were safe. Yeah. 
but yeah, Twenty Eight Days Later Zombies, um, uh, the other the Brad Pitt World War Z, um, which actually is uh, an okay movie, but a really shitty adaptation of a great book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Dawn of the Dead World War Z zombies, yeah, like th- those. As soon as I could get to a gun, I just put a bullet in my head because I don't want to deal with that shit. Here's the deal, though. Um, anybody that hasn't seen uh, Twenty Eight Days Later, but is a really big fan of the guy who plays Scarecrow in the Batman Begins movies and stuff Killian like that, Murphy. Murphy. That's yeah, basically that's... where I got his super super good performance of, from him in, in yeah. Twenty Eight Days Later. So, yep, I think that's basically what got him on the map. Yeah, and I don't think we can really cover zombies anymore. I think we've done that one now yeah so have we done it to death uh maybe on death uh, uh, uh. let's talk about star wars let's do the depressing news first because i want to end on high note with this <laughs> let's let's bring us up a little bit from walking dead somebody it's died somebody died yeah yeah unfortunately we've lost admiral Ak- admiral akbar who if i'm being honest i couldn't have actually named the actor no um uh, eric bowersfield bowersfeld yeah. bowersfeld yeah, uh, so he's dead. I knew nothing about this. Uh, yeah, it just happened this week. Uh, here's the thing. I couldn't have told you he was alive up until episode seven, mm-hmm. and then he was in it, and I was like, oh, okay. Akbar was in seven? Yeah. He was? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. He was. He was at the rebel base. Yeah, he was He was at the base. Not the rebel base, the, but the, the... The resistance base. The resistance base. Who it's completely he? different. Akbar! Yeah, he, <laughs> he was he's like, hey, Fish Frank... Head. Octopus oh, head guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Trap. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah. So that's a bummer. Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, you think we're gonna get some sort of nod to that in episode eight? I think they maybe. should. They should at least talk about how he like fell, fell in fell, battle or yeah, whatever, or something yeah. like that. And then they could all look at the camera knowingly. <laughs> we're sad. <laughs> well, certainly. <laughs> well, at the very yeah. very least, we've got to get a, a you know post credits like R.I.P. Maybe maybe after Akbar dies, Chewie will actually show emotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Chewie was pretty pissed off when Han got it. Yeah, the... but he didn't hug Leia. Uh, that's a good point. He was cold. Yeah, that was that was the whole thing. And, and uh, Abrams JJ actually explained that whole scene, scene too because he really wanted it to be a. He wanted the audience to know that even though Leia and Ray hadn't really met before, that. They had this connection and whatnot, yeah. which they did, but it also kind of made Chewie seem like a cold bastard. Oh, you know what? I didn't. I've never heard that until just right now. That's really lending some credence to the whole Ray Skywalker theory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is actually. You did know, you when guys you... see that uh, photo that just went around like a couple of days ago, where like Luke is laying on the ground with Darth Vader or whatever in his face, and it almost looks exactly like Daisy Ridley in Force Awakens. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think what you're talking. I think I know. What you're, there's actually been a lot of photo comparisons. Like there's been there's been one with side by sides of uh, uh, Leia, as in Leia from A New Hope, um, right. Natalie Portman and uh, Daisy right. Ridley, yeah. and, and it they they do look not yeah. a little they, bit. They similar. did a hell of a job casting Ray. Anyway, yeah, they I mean, did. she she was super in in Episode Seven. Um, I'm actually super impressed with that too, and, and actually super impressing with with all of the casting, um, especially the new casting in there. There's a couple of guys that that you know you would have heard of, but uh, especially our two front runners, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega. Yeah, awesome. Ne- yeah, they they did it. Both amazingly. totally British. Only she got to keep her accent. <laughs> yeah, they they did really really extremely well with that that casting, and especially in the case of if it turns out that this ends up being Ray Skywalker, that that theory is true. 
they did an amazing job casting an unknown who fit that role so well. Similar to casting Mark Hamill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a little bit different. Casting Mark Hamill was like, there's no backstory. There's no, like, he doesn't have to fit it into anything at that point. Yeah, but no, it's, 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 I mean, I think it does matter though, because. And actually, in fairness. Uh, Nobody in that movie was really well known. As much as I love Mark Hamill though. In A New Hope, he was the weak link. He was. Yeah. Um, and the actually, I take that back, because uh, Sir Alec Guinness was a really well-known uh, actor, both on film and stage at that point. Yeah, totally. Uh, but he also hated every fucking second of being in those movies. <laughs> he did. So. Uh, I, I, it's funny listening to anything about that. I don't know how he ever even got involved in it. Like, he must have showed up and he was like, wait, I thought you said Shakespeare, not Skywalker. Well, like, I mean, imagine he had some bills to pay or something. Yeah, must have. Um, in more Star Wars news, we got a teaser for Rogue One. This is the note. Have you seen it yet? I have seen okay. it, yes, 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 yes. This yes. is the first time I've actually seen a teaser for a teaser, which was literally like three frames. They're like, look, it's a black stormtrooper. And, and not John Boyega, but like black armor. Yeah. <laughs> um... This trailer is cool to me for a lot of different reasons. So, everything that I loved about Episode Seven was because it really, really, really felt like Star Wars to me. Like, more so than the prequels ever did. By a mile. This is a little Far bit different. Like, this is this is kind of like the, um, the strip mall version of Star Wars. But there's just enough Star Wars in there for it to still be Star Wars. But this is going to be a really fucking down and dirty, gritty fucking movie, I think. No, it's going to be more of an action movie. With a Star Wars nod than a Star Wars movie that has some action. You know what I mean? I was actually totally okay with this. This, this me felt too. to me. I'm, like, I'm fucking floored about board. it. But. Yeah, like my thing watching this was I was like, this is going to be a great, like, expanded universe. Like, exactly like what we would have, you know, previously used the expanded universe for, which is, you know, fill the gap until there's more Star Wars. Um, and, and I'm totally fine with that. Like, this looks really good, I think. So far, I mean, we're talking about a teaser trailer, so it's not like we got a lot of information to go on, but there was a lot of fun Actually, stuff. Actually, there's a lot of shit in this trailer. Like, yeah. Mon Mothma. Full-on fucking yeah. Mon Mothma in this trailer. Yeah. Um, what I kind of compare this to is, I, I was a big fan of the, the Expanded Universe books. I, I bought and read hundreds of dollars of them, you know what I mean? Like, right. Um, but one of the series I never read was X-Wing. But I understand, and like... For whatever reason, I don't know why I didn't pick it up. But it was just like I kind of wanted to follow the Jedi part of it more than anything else. Uh-huh. But the X-Wing series was super popular, like really popular. And I kind of compared this movie to that X-Wing series of books. Like it's kind of an offshoot because you're not dealing with Jedi so much. Um, but just the rest of the Rebellion that don't have the advantage of having special powers and whatnot. And I think this is going to be a really, really fun movie to watch. Yeah, I totally agree. So I don't really have a lot to add to that. So Yeah, I heard a lot of fans were really upset with the casting of Felicity Jones as the main character. Do you guys know any reason why that was? Not, or... Not after watching the teaser. Yeah, I mean, I, wa- I watched the teaser and I was like, this looks fucking amazing. Yeah. Like, why are you guys upset? This is exactly what I would picture leading no, up I to she was... stealing the plans of the Death Star going into episode, what, four? Yeah. Yeah. I thought she was great in it. Like, this is a rebellion, right? I rebel. Like, that's. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. I was like... completely. Yeah. This is the way it should be. It should be all out war, especially if you're going in to steal the plans of the Death Star, which is a super weapon. This is like the Suicide Squad uh, equivalent in the Star Wars universe. 
Yeah, except for I think she has a lot more potential, or this movie has a lot more potential. I don't know. I think Suicide Squad. I, I'm. I, I don't think the Suicide Squad's going to be bad, but I think that th- this. Um, we're back on track for Star Wars. You know? Yeah, yeah. I just oh, think yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. this this movie totally is gonna. You're right. It has more potential just based on the fact that it is a Star Wars. Based now that movie. now that Lucas is out of way, this fucker's a freight train. Like, just get out of the way. There's nothing you can do to stop it. You're yeah. gonna be paying for a Star Wars movie tickets He's for the so foreseeable they're not future. Using his ideas, and it's so wonderful to me. Yeah, it is because like, like he, he like he still doesn't realize exactly how wrong he's been this entire like, time. We saw your ideas. They were called episodes one, two, and three. Yeah, and also fucking Greedo shooting first, you fucking son of a bitch. Yeah, there's a reason why we don't talk about them anymore, you know? Except yeah. for to say, this. no, it's not going to be like that. Like, the first thing I saw about uh, The Force Awakens, or one of the first things I saw, was like this, you know, three-minute behind-the-scenes that I think we talked about on the we show. Yeah. Where it was basically just like a big giant, no, we're not making those movies again. That like, was, that was not going to be like one, two, and three. The Comic-Con reel that they showed that, and like the whole premise of that video was just just please just guys be like look this feels like star wars yeah look at the cast they're all happy to be here yeah like, <laughs> guys seriously we're not making episode one two and three again we yeah. promise which is painful yeah uh so anyway uh should we talk about comics we should we really need to work on our intro for this too we, we need to have the ezra miller yeah have, you, totally have you ever watched that video by the way no we we did a we posted it on the on the show um ezra miller gave an interview months and months ago hi i remember you talked telling me he was so fucked up like it was ridiculous but he's he's talking about reading comics and i really want to use it for the inner the the just like an interstitial See, before this. didn't i tell you you gotta remind me i'll okay i'm gonna put this in my phone right now and Do it. i'll go grab it and we'll we'll put it in there yeah it's it's so funny because he like <laughs> it's gonna be so funny like, when they're listening I, to the show and that's not in because he talks about reading comic books to prepare for the flash and stuff like that but he's like i just i realized like you know have to have a reason to read comics you can just read comics man and he's like he goes and you got those people that are like what about literature and you're just like fuck it whatever man <laughs> that's how my writing 121 teacher was was like dude comic books are a fucking class now they in should english be. yeah and that was the one thing that him and i leveled on was comic books and he came in i saw him like carrying this like avengers folder and i was like this guy and I are going to be on par the entire time. Yeah. I My writing 115 teacher was a lot like that, only not so much with the comic books and stuff like that, but he was like a really cool down-to-earth dude when it came to, to talking about English. So, uh, uh, Bone. My, uh, I did have a, an English teacher that I liked, but nobody was in too even closely into comics. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, so the first thing I've got, uh, as far as comic books are concerned, is not a comic book that we've read, but um, we're getting a new Punisher series word um which is gonna be badass uh because i think they're probably gonna take some influence from the the yeah so with the announcement of this and i didn't read your article i'm sorry because we don't read our show notes half the time (laughs) (laughs) but uh is this um has this been being worked on since before daredevil or is this really in reality obviously if they're getting ready to publish the first issue it probably has but uh so how soon are we, how how far are we from the first issue? Fuck, I don't know. I didn't read the article either. I just posted it. Yeah, <laughs> like new Punisher. We gotta talk about that. Look, look at that image what... though. Like that's that's Frank Castle. Yeah, I can barely see it. Yeah, swing that around. Oh, that is definitely Frank Castle. Yeah, yeah. So that looks pretty. It looks cool. like he's on Abraham Lincoln's kind of does in uh, Washington, Lincoln DC. Memorial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I don't think it actually says when. Yeah. Anyway, if we're if we're that close, then there's there's got to been some wheels turning. Um, yeah. And unless maybe you know, uh, it is a Marvel property. Uh, Daredevil is rather. So if they they knew, you know, I presumably they knew that Daredevil season two was going to be pretty likely to be a success. It wouldn't surprise me if during the production time they're like, well, let's launch a new Punisher book and see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. There's actually a um, there are three issues I know. There's a Daredevil Punisher crossover book that they've been doing for a couple months now that it looks promising. I haven't read it yet, but huh. uh, I'm kind of excited about that. Um, so where do we really start here? Uh, we got we got comic books to talk about. We got Saga. We got Spawn. We got uh, the new Miles Morales Spider Man. Well, we can talk about Spider Man three really quick because the, uh, as in the comic book Spider Man uh, issue number three issue. Yeah, not not the because movie. not really a whole lot happened uh he gets his phone taken away by yeah. his grandma yeah that's rude <laughs> superhero miles morales uh spider-man gets his phone taken away by his crazy grandma who's like uh you know you the kid must be on drugs because he's getting bad grades or something like that so that was a i don't know it's it's a little bit of a throwaway issue so one of the things i like about this issue though or not the series in general um we haven't had a peter parker that's had problems in a while. I mean, Peter Parker problems now are like, what happens if my company doesn't make money? You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it does. It feels a little bit more like it's a uh, sort of ultimate Peter Parker. It's more Spider-Man-y. To yeah, me. a little bit. Um, which I like because he still lives with his parents. Because uh, he's like 16 or something. Yeah, he goes to school and stuff like that. His best friend knows that he's Spider-Man and whatnot. But other than that, like nobody else really does other than the the Avengers. Yeah, and that's a, a, a recent people. development, I, don't I think, think. I don't think everybody knows, but... Uh, so yeah, he's getting bad grades because he's busy saving the fucking world. And if you read the first two issues, you know that he saved the world from uh, fucking Mephisto, Mephisto's kid. Yeah, uh, black name on black, Blackheart. Yeah, Blackheart. Um, Damn, that's huge. Yeah, like Blackheart completely fucking took out all of the Avengers, and yeah. Spider-Man grabbed Captain America's shield and beat the fuck out of him. Like, <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was like that was a good it was a good <clears throat> intro into the book. Um, and one of the things that I said that I liked about this book. Uh, from the beginning is that a lot of comic books like have to have like a, a story arc that takes place over like five issues or whatnot. The introductory story took two issues, mm-hmm. very concise. This, this was a one-off issue. Like this issue, you don't have to read this issue to read the next one. Um, and you don't actually have to have read the first two issues to read this one. Cause this is just, he's not even Spider-Man at all in this book. Yeah. You know, the thing about this in, in, um, is that, I'm finding it really hard. Like this is now that I'm sort of following some series as they're coming out. Cause uh, we talked about this on the show before, but I've only recently gotten into reading comic books on the regular. Um, so having to read comic books in real time <laughs> is so terrible. Like by the time I read ultimate Spider-Man, there were like 130 books out or something like that. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure ultimate Spider-Man was basically a sizable done. Peter Parker run before you even got to miles then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, we might have just been starting Miles when I started reading Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, so I caught up, and, and, you know, of course, by the time I caught up with Spider-Man, uh, it, the Ultimate Spider-Man was done. So um, it's cool to see Miles Morales back. But anyway, this whole thing sucks. Like, uh, we, we follow a couple of books pretty regularly <laughs> now, and this whole thing of, like, waiting a month between issues is so shitty. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the time, I, I don't. The, some some books do this better and worse than others, but like it's really noticeable reading Spawn, because uh, one of the books we're going to talk about that we re- read uh, regularly right now is we're rereading Spawn, or for me reading it the first time, 
And I noticed reading Spawn that, like, at the beginning of the issue, they're like, and we're recapping everything that you just read five minutes ago. And then I realized, but this came out in real time. And so they're not recapping everything we read five minutes ago. They're recapping everything that they read, you know, a month ago for most people. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that uh, you know, for a while I was like, why did they do this? And then I was like, oh, yeah, because they published it 25 years ago or something like well, that. Well, an image wasn't exactly known for being prompt with their dates either when, no. when the comics launched. Like, there would be books that were a month and a half apart or two months. Actually, that's why um, Tony Moore, who uh, originally illustrated The Walking Dead, they had to let him go because he wasn't getting his work turned in in a timely enough fashion to get the book published. Ouch. That's when Charlie Adler took over. So, uh, I think it was Tony Moore. Was the, was the first guy that but, sounds correct um but yeah it is it is i'm used to it and i read so many books now that like every week i have something new to read which is nice um, yeah my i i'm not i don't have a super ton of time to read comics and if nothing else spawn will keep me busy for a while and i've got lots of like i've just started reading the uh new 52 D, uh detective comics and action comics runs so i've got i've got plenty of stuff to read action it's comics just, is painful dude I haven't. I've only read a few issues. It's so. really like it's hard to get into action comics because it's. I, I started reading these when they first came out, and I read. I was reading action comics and Superman, and Superman, I liked better because it was actually a, um, like it was current Superman. Action comics is more of a, before he adopted the costume, so he had the fucking t-shirt and shit, you know, and a lot oh, of it. We're getting super. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um, Smallville the comic book yeah. essentially yeah uh, so action comics was a little bit more painful and well less, I've, I actually I think the I stories might be confusing this but the stories guess, weren't contiguous either like it was really like you didn't have to read one to read the other and I wasn't used to that because back in the day like if you read uh, Superman you read action comics too because those stories tied into one another mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't so much like that same with detective and Batman yeah they, they're completely different yeah which actually is working out well for me because i'm not reading them congruously like I've, I've i read you know i'm current with the new 52 batman which is ending its run very soon but i just started reading detective comics but in like the last two weeks or something oh yeah did have we talked about this before um the new 52 or dc now or dcu i guess is what it is now um it's like the current runs of books are, are coming to an end we talked about it a little bit the other day at work. Yeah. Because I haven't read, like I told you, I haven't read comics for, God, years now since I was probably in high school. So I've kind of dropped off, like I was telling you, because of money reasons. So yeah. I couldn't afford it. And then you were telling me with your solution that I was like, yeah, I'd be down to catch up. Yeah, I can catch up on some comics. Yeah. Uh, they're starting over kind of and I don't want to say they're starting over because they're, they say they're not starting over basically they ended a lot of continuity when they started the New 52 series mm-hmm. um, and as much as they brought in some really good material we've kind of lost a lot of what made these characters what they have been and throughout the last 50 years or so um, and so with the rebirth they're supposed to be bringing back the characters as we know it while keeping the some of the new, new stuff, stuff that's really worked well um, and then bringing in some of the older stuff that always worked in the past as well. So they're kind of going to try and do uh, almost like an a cross yeah. of both worlds. Yeah, well, like a good a good example is Green Lantern. Like Green Lantern, Jeff Johns jumped on that book before they started the New Fifty Two, and he he really brought the title kind of out of the doldrums that it was in for a lot of years uh, by bringing back Hal Jordan and 
but keeping Kyle Rayner, um, who a lot of, like, if you started reading comic books in, like, 1996, 1997, like, that was the Green Lantern you knew. Like, you didn't really know much Hal Jordan, other than the fact that he was a good guy that ended up being a bad guy. Um, whereas me, I started reading comics before that, so I was, I was familiar with Hal Jordan, but I also got to see the introduction of, of Kyle Rayner, and I really did like the Kyle Rayner character, but there was, it came to a point where I was just like, man, I really, I want Hal Jordan to be Green Lantern again, Green you know Lantern. what I mean? Um, and so when Johns came in, he did that, but he also kept Kyle Rayner around, and so that character is still around to, today, although I'm not real keen on how they're using him right now because he's in a book called The Omega Men, which is kind of difficult to read, and the only reason I read it is because he's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's probably going to change too come June when they do the the Green Lanterns rebirth series and all that kind of stuff. Um, but with the New Fifty Two, like Jeff Johnson kind of resurrected that title and made it a much better title than it had been before. So they changed everything else in DC. They changed Batman. They changed Superman. They changed all this other Aquaman. They didn't really change Green Lantern, but then they stopped referencing things that happened in the past in Green Lantern because they couldn't really acknowledge it and keep in line with the New 52. It's just kind of a given that these things happen and then they don't really address it at all. So it's it's kind of weird. Like, that title wasn't broken, so they didn't fix it. But then it kind of made it to where, like, you're like, well, then how does this work? And it, and it kind of takes away a little bit i think from some of the, the the good books in the new 52 like the justice league how jordan obviously is a, is a member of the justice league but they show him in the justice league comic books all the time but then like when you read the green lantern books like you know he's not he's not there right like he's off doing something else and then he's got long hair and he's no longer a green lantern but he's got like the power gauntlet that the guardians created before they ever created the rings and whatnot but then you worry the justice league and there he is with his fucking ring again like (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't make sense so a lot of continuity there yeah they gotta they gotta fix some of that stuff um but anyway um that's gonna be a real good jumping on point for people that haven't read comic books up to this point so basically me well or anybody else that listens um so yeah you (laughs) in this room right now definitely me um but anyway uh i don't even know how we got off on that tangent that was mostly just me i think but that's practically like a catchphrase of the show yeah whatever show i don't even know how we got to where we are now um all right so let's jump into saga you want to talk saga we are done with the catch-up on this now uh we usually do a five issue blurb every time um there was 10 issues left eddie couldn't help himself so he read all of them and then i was like well i'll just read all of them too yeah so the thing was last week uh actually for last week's episode i was talking um i had two more books to read like we were gonna read through 25 and i think i was on 23 yeah and then i accidentally like stayed up two or three hours longer than i planned and read all 12 books yeah yeah Uh, it was probably not that long but Um, anyway yeah so to catch more than i wanted to ryan up on this um there is so the the book is centered around two main characters, Marco and Alana. Uh, Marco is a dude with horns from the moon of Cleve, okay. and Alana is a chick with wings from the planet Landfall, of which Cleve is the moon for. I was um, going to say it's like the Romulans and the Capulets, but that's okay. not yeah. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> what is it now? I can't think of the actual uh, Capulets. Obviously, Romeo and that... Juliet. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah. whichever one wasn't the capulets um yeah. 
It's like the Romulans and the Vulcans. Yeah. Or the Romulans and the Remans. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. So same same diff. Actually that might actually work better for Romulans and Remans. Audience. If you're yeah. if you've ever watched Star Trek Nemesis, which, you know, I'm sorry. But whatever. Yeah, you you shouldn't, don't. Unless you um, want to see Tom Hardy as a frail looking bald dude. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a beefy looking bald dude from Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. So a weird um, voice. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're totally like on this um polar opposite sort of, you know, like he said, we've got the one guys that have horns and they're from this moon. And they planet. do magic called cleave yes they do magic and then we have the other guys who have you know basically like fairy wings from uh the planet something i can't remember name. landfall landfall um and they get into the civil war and the civil war is actually sort of branched out into this proxy war amongst the galaxy yeah like the entire galaxy is engulfed in war except for now landfall and cleave don't fight each other anymore like the the moon and the planet themselves like they're they're like but business as usual every day yeah it's kind of like it goes to work and we were talking about this the last episode it's kind of like the u.s and russia where you know we each play our little pawns but um we don't really do a lot of the fighting directly anymore um so they they end up um marco gets captured and alana is one of the captors that's in charge of making sure he doesn't break out whatnot um they ended up actually um falling in love and fucking a lot and take off they're they're both deserters from their respective things and they end up having a kid which um if the galaxy at large finds out that like that there's this kid that happened between these two like all hell's gonna break all loose. hell will break loose not that oh, it already, isn't already and whatnot but um so the whole thing is basically this adventure it's like if you go take the most redneck backwater town in like say 1937 in you know southern georgia or something like that and you know picture the first interracial baby like right it's like that turned that out could to happen yeah yeah um so and the book is actually narrated from hazel the child's perspective she tells the story so like interesting you, you get the impression that she's much older at this point and so all the narration yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is done by hazel but then you see that the events happen in real time the thing that's about uh, about this book that's really different than a lot of other comics out there number one it's not a superhero comic it's mm-hmm. it's high fantasy if anything it's sort of like this weird sort or of sci-fi fantasy I, I was gonna say like space opera almost yeah like uh, not quite as dr- well, sort of. It's it's a little bit belying because when you read it the first few times, you're just like, well, this has got a lot of really crude. You know, like I think it opens on a scene of like giving birth. You know. Yeah. Like and like not, you not see like, like breastfeeding. You see her breastfeeding their newborn. Like that's the first thing you see. Yeah, it's not like a. Um, uh, 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 you know, sort of romanticized, you know, PG thirteen movie version of stuff. It's like, nope, this is how the world really is. You know, and and the art by Fiona Staples is ridiculous good, um, which makes it all the more uncomfortable sometimes when you're reading it because like there's full frontal nudity, both male and female. Yep. In this book, um, in fact, I think in one of the books that we're going to talk about today, like you full on see. It's in a flashback scene, Marco nailing his pregnant wife, yeah, from behind and whatnot. So <laughs> it's it's pretty funny, but like the the thing about it is, is like um, I don't know why that when I was reading it to start off with, I was a little bit like, oh god, I can't believe they're doing this. And then it's kind of like, well, except for all that shit, really happens. It, it's yeah. just that we never show it in anything. Yeah, once you get past the point where it's like new, yeah, then you're just like, okay, this is just saga. And yeah, you keep reading. Um, so basically what happens throughout the, the issues that we've gone over in the past is, um, they're on the run, uh, they end up on a different planet after a series of events 
where she ends up going to work for what they call the open circuit, which is essentially what we know as TV, but it's more VR based. Well, TV, it, it's sort of like a superhero uh, soap opera sort of thing, which it's like just Arrow. doesn't ever end. Yeah, yeah it's it's, like, it's weird. It's like the worst parts of Arrow essentially, but has you know this <laughs> rabid fan base because it's galaxy wide. Yeah. Um. So Alana ends up being a star on the open circuit, and then Marco, the the dude with horns, has to stay home and take care of Hazel and and whatnot. They end up getting into a fight. She kicks him out. And then before he can get back to the house, which is essentially a wooden rocket ship. A tree. Because they grow. It's a tree rocket. The the planet where they're at, where it starts out, like, they go find the rocket ship forest because it grows rocket ships. Yeah. Weird. It's, it's fucking cool. Yeah. Um, it, it, it takes off. And so See, he was this, like... This is the thing about Saga. Like, we were talking about this before, but, like, explaining someone, someone Saga... Yeah. Like, uh, the first time I heard about it too, like it was a guy basically gushing about it on a podcast somewhere. And I was like, and, and he's explaining all this. And I was like, that sounds dumb as shit. And, uh, you know, until you read a few books and then it's like, Oh, well, I just accidentally read, a, read 10 issues and here we are. Dude, Bryce tried to get me to read it for a long time. Yeah. And I don't think I started until you were like, yeah, you should check out saga. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, so in the, anyway, Marco and Alana get, end up getting separated. Hazel goes with Alana um, because they get kidnapped by this dude with a robot head named Dengo. Yeah. Because part of the part of the alliance is the landfall side of things. The people with the wings, they form an alliance with the robot kingdom. And the robot kingdom is basically this um, planet full of people that have TVs for heads. But More for the most part, they just look like humans. Like They fuck just like everybody else. They just have TVs for heads and whatnot. Um, huh. Only if you're born and you have a black and white head, you're basically born into a life of servitude and being a janitor. Yeah. Um, and King Robot. You're the a best. drone. You're considered a drone for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Uh, King Robot has like a giant, like 97 inch color flat screen <laughs> for a head. <laughs> it, it's really funny. Um, uh, but. Uh, and then Prince Robot 4, who's one of the main characters, he's actually one of the guys that goes out on the front lines um, and he's tasked with bringing back these two interlopers. Um, and so there's a whole bunch of shit that happens, but basically where we're at is on issue 26. Yeah. Okay, so we, 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 we open 26 in a, in a, like a convenience store that's being held up by a... Uh, um, a cleave dude. Yeah. Um, and Marco beats the shit out of him and, and Yuma takes his drugs. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was really funny too. Um, there, there are drugs too. Um, yeah, the, the, this, this is sounding so funny to me listening to, it's like, how do you explain this book to I know. anybody? I know he's sitting there going, what the fuck oh, ever? <laughs> why did I agree to come on the show? Yeah. No, um, I'm like, what the fuck ever, but I'm interested. Sophie also figures out that she can use um, the translation rings that yeah. Gwendolyn has. Uh, Gwendolyn is Marco's ex-fiance who he left for Alana. Okay. Um, she gave him, was it a necklace? Mm-hmm. That has the same power as these rings that she has, which basically act kind of like uh, Star Trek The Next Generation's Universal Translators. So, okay. You can understand whoever. Um, so it, it Gwendolyn, seems to have like a proximity effect too, though. Because yeah. it's not just him; it's like the surrounding right people can all understand each other. Gwendolyn and this little girl named Sophie, who was a sex slave on a sex planet, and she's like eight or nine or something. Yeah, she's real little. Um, but there's a bounty hunter named the Will who rescues her, 
because even though he's a piece of shit, he was like, well, I can't abide by that. So yeah. I mean, pretty yeah, much universally, no. just They're, a universal truth is that uh, child molesters will always be the lowest form of life. Yeah, um, the will is seriously hurt because Sophie fucking stabbed the shit out of him because they were on a planet where the 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 fruit from the trees was totally hallucinogenic. Yep. Oh shit. Um, and she had a bad trip. And she had a bad trip and say, fucking stabbed the fuck out of him. Some, yeah. Everybody was eating the food. Like he was seeing his ex lover who's dead. Um, Gwendolyn found her ex lover. Or ended up seeing her ex lover who was, uh, um, uh, kind of heavy set landfallian or no, uh, cleave chick. Kind of, yeah. she's kind of hot though, you know, yeah. whatever. Lesbo action going on. Um, but anyway, Sophie had a bad trip and stabbed the fuck out of the will. And so now, like, they feel bad and they're trying to, he's in a coma and they're like, he's never going to recover. But they find a spell where they're like, you can do it, but you need, you need dragon semen. <laughs> Oh, lovely. As part of the ingredients. Because that's always fun to get. Yeah. It's like, um, here, go get T-Rex pee. Well, here's the deal. They go find the dragons, and then they're like, well, that's a female. And so they're like, well, what the fuck do we do now? And so Sophie comes up with the bright idea of using the translation rings to talk to the fucking dragons. And they're like, you can't talk to a dragon, but she does. Yeah. Um, and the, the girl dragons are like, well, here's the deal. They've all been hunted, and there's only one bull dragon left, and he's a dick. Yeah. Uh. So they go, they go off to do that. Um, the resistance comes aboard the ship on the ice planet. Also dicks. Yeah. They're basically space terrorists. Um, they immediately, uh, kind of take over the situation. They, they, they put to sleep, uh, Alana and, um, grandma, grandma. I forget grandma's name. Me too. Clara. Clara's yeah. name. Um, and, and steal Hazel. Because they're gonna they're they're gonna try and barter Hazel to uh, whoever will release the most resistance inmates from their prison system. Yeah, because they're sort of on the wrong side of everybody's. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Before Dengo we... Dengo goes to the resistance because he thinks that these are the the best bet to get his message out there, which is that his kingdom, the robot kingdom, is completely corrupt, and that the war between Cleve and Landfall is causing mayhem on planets where it doesn't really need to happen. And right. whatnot. That's Dingo's met because his son died as a result of the robot kingdom being like, "Well, you guys are just drones. It doesn't really matter. You don't need the medication." And kind of similar to how other governments work. Not saying any names. U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Way to be subtle there. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah. So he he meets up with these guys that are called the Resistance and. The robots are immune to the effects that the one leader dude has where he puts them to sleep and whatnot. Um, and Alana keeps trying to tell him. She's like, hey, uh, you can just kill this dude. And then once he's out of the way, the rest of us can take out the rest of them and we'll be fine. But the like, Dengo still doesn't want to admit that he's wrong. Yeah, at this point he becomes like a... So d these guys are essentially terrorists and Dango's just like a, a severely aggrieved father going to ultimate lengths. Like, he's sort of like the Punisher in a way in that um, his moral compass is basically there, sort of. Yeah. It, like, like he doesn't want to hurt the kids or anything because he has Prince Robot's mm -hmm. kid. Yeah, like, he, he kills Princess Robot but steals their newborn because he doesn't want, he doesn't want anything bad to happen to the kid. 
Yeah, I definitely very much get the feeling that like he wouldn't actually hurt the kid. Like there's no circumstance in which he would hurt the kid um, because he just that that crosses his moral boundary. But now he's dealing with these terrorists who do not have the same compunctions. Right. Um, and so he, you know, basically just doesn't want to admit that. He finds out really rapidly that these kids are or these the resistance folks are not the same people that he thought they were, essentially. Um, and then uh, this issue ends with uh, Marco taking all of the drugs, <laughs> or at least seemingly so, because which is really funny because he just got done being all super pissed off at Alana, and yeah. he's like, oh, I guess I got to sympathize, and so he's like, let's take all the drugs. Prince Prince Robot wakes up from a nightmare and walks into the room where Yuma. And and Marco are and sees them both fucking foaming at the mouth and OD and he's like, well, fuck. <laughs> like, um, Might as well do it too. And that's that's where the issue ends. Um, the next issue was pretty quick. Uh, Prince Robot has to call the Surgeon General of the Robot Kingdom to find out what to do and and basically the solution is get them to throw up the drugs. Um, since robot blood is mildly toxic to every other species on the planet, all he has to do is kind of cut himself and feed his blood to them, and then they end up vomiting up the drugs and whatnot. Uh, what else happens? Um, Goose is a badass. <laughs> yeah, Goose is my favorite thing. Goose is a little tiny seal pup. Like, Basically. He'd be this tall if he was in this room. There's a lot But of- he carries an axe that's about the size of you. There's a lot can of can I a, can I own this seal pup and like, rides a giant walrus cool. and and he so severely... a seal pup that holds an like axe that rides a walrus I want this creature yeah yeah and he's he's cool um, and then Marco decides after he gets off drugs that's goose I want it yeah, yeah. Like, but the other the other that? awesome thing about goose is that he really really reminds me of butters for some reason it's funny because yeah he comes across <laughs> as being really simple. Yeah, but then when like when the shit goes down, he's like, "All right, so here's the deal. I'll fuck anything up that comes near your kid." Yeah, like, <laughs> like, no, I'll straight up murder those motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah, like, he he gets he goes you know from zero to hardcore very fast. Yeah. Um. So Marco, um, Marco has sworn off violence. Like that's part of when him and Alana get together. He's like, "I'm not going to kill anymore because this whole war is stupid and pacifist rule, or whatever." Um, so then after so he wakes up from his, well, wait, when it, once he wakes up from his bad drug trip though, he's like, so here's the deal. I'm going to find the motherfucker that took my kid and cut his head off. Yeah, basically. And it's like, screw that pacifist shit. Let's cut some heads off. Yeah. That's, that's where, um, and we we're introduced also to the character of Havor, which is the brother of a character named the stock who is the Will's dead lover. Yeah. Which yeah um havor and the stock are actually essentially spider people they have giant spider torsos um kill them all and then human bodies but then their faces have like six eyes and whatnot so they're 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 very much spider people um you probably pull a picture of yeah eradicate them Um, get rid of them and the stock has a nice set of tits this is true. Wait a minute. The- <laughs> yeah. let, let me find an issue where we get them. I think that's in 27. Are we on 27 now? No. no 28. Yeah, you're not going to find the stock in there, though. Oh, good. The yeah, stock I'll, would be I'll go back. I, I, can find, I can find the stock in there somewhere. You could probably just Google the- an image of the stock. Well, that's crazy. Topless. Topless. That, will, that will never work. It's too simple. Um, issue 28, though, we find out who Havor really is um, as far as being her family member and whatnot. Um, and he kind of agrees to 
point them in the right direction to finding a bull dragon. Um, also in this issue, um, we're on 28 now, right? Yeah. The Robot Kingdom finds Marco and Prince Robot 4 and whatnot. The Resistance reveal their plan to barter Hazel for prisoners. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird book. I, it, I mean, it is. It, it does. Um, first off, just looking at any, this is a hard thing about Saga again, because just looking about at, at like any particular piece of art um, or uh, any of the characters, like listening to us describe it, the book sounds silly as shit, but this is one of the best written books that I've read in a long time. The dialogue is impeccable throughout. Um, the other thing that's cool about this is that, um, although not immediately apparent, there's a really good, grand, overarching story to the whole series that uh, so far, um, which you really, especially by by um, you know book ten or fifteen, like I was really like on board. Like, I, okay, I really want to find out what happens in this story. Um, and the artwork is phenomenal. It's it's very like out there. But it's phenomenal throughout. Like the whole, oh, the whole thing is really, really good. So, yeah, yeah. Just by you guys describing like the saga and the characters in it, I'm picturing like this very like space opera fantasy like it, it anime, is a lot like that anime style like movie. It that has could a little bit of anime elements to it. Um, what's really fucking brilliant about how this book works, though, is just when it seems to get to this really like soap opera fantastical like apex the next scene goes to like somebody's house in the suburbs so it drops you down yeah like it's it's ridiculous how they intertwine like our everyday life with this giant overall scope of stories happening and whatnot so yeah see that's the thing that makes it interesting is there's these um gigantic grand fantastical elements about it and then there's a sort of like real human aspect of it considering you know most of the characters are not like i don't even and none of the characters are human there's certainly characters that are more a humanoid in appearance and like certainly our heroes uh, aside from you know their uh horns and wings and what have you um basically are humans for all intents and purposes um so there's a lot of that element but even the you know the weird spider creature interracial sex stuff is sort of like a told from a human perspective so it's kind of weird in that aspect but it's also sort of really grounded in another way um you know given the fact that it's human spider fucking yeah um yeah like human spider fucking but the spider's like weirdly self-conscious about odd things and stuff like that yeah anyway as long as you're able to get past that then you should be fine so um for the climax of this particular issue you get yuma um and goose having to go find what's wrong with the ship yeah goose finds out there's a fuel leak um, he plans on sacrificing himself to go into the engine room and essentially fix the fuel leak and whatnot. Which is basically on fire. Yeah. Yuma knocks him the fuck out. Um, because up to this point, Yuma has kind of been... As she's much been as a she, junkie. She's a junkie. And as much as she's helped Alana in terms of she's the one that got her into the open circuit so that she had a career and whatnot, she's also kind of a drug peddler and a drug user herself. Yeah, she she's really not on the like the good side of things like she she's kind of a junkie she's kind of a she's she's sold she's sold out kidnapped yeah she sold out marco and alana's kid you know yeah um but then immediately went to marco and was like hey i fucked up and i sold out your family so i'm gonna help you get them yeah but she's still a junkie all at the same time so 
um, she's kind of had this really um, uh, back and forth battle with herself where she feels kind of like she's useless and whatnot. So she, she takes this as an opportunity to like actually fix things for once. Um, and she does. And I think my notes here say Yuma gets high as fuck because that's the last time you see Yuma. She's in the engine room fixing things. And then you just see her kind of engulfed in like a giant ball of flame. And then the words high as fuck and smoke. Yeah. (laughs) Surround her. Like seriously high as fuck and smoke. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's where that issue ends off. Um, in issue 29, we open with the Resistance talking to um, the Cleave leadership. Um, again, trying to barter Hazel for uh, prisoner release and stuff like that. Uh, Dango comes into the picture, who works, uh, and for all intents, he's the Robot Kingdom. And since they work for the Kingdom of, Lam- uh, of Landfall, the lady from Cleave sees him and she's like, I'm not dealing with you as long as there's one of those fucking robots there. Yeah. Um, and so the resistance is like, okay, we're just going to kill him. Then that's fine. He, he's not important. Yeah. Um, Marco and, uh, his crew, um, escape from the robot sentries, um, uh, after Yuma fixes the ship. And, um, our other group, which is Gwendolyn and Sophie, find the bull dragon and they find the bull dragon doing things that men only dream that they could do um he's <laughs> laying there a on his back sucking himself off <laughs> maybe from Marilyn manson and and the um the will's sister the brand is another bounty hunter she's also come along um to try and help out her brother and whatnot and she's like well this could be even easier than we thought because we just have to wait for him to finish and then go scoop up what we need <laughs> um which they do, but then there seems to be a miscommunication between the brand and Sophie because Sophie's like, "It's my duty to do this because I'm the one that stabbed him in the neck." Anyway. Yeah, it wasn't really. That was sort of like a dumb kid thing. Like she yeah. was like, uh, "You know, the 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 scary bounty hunter was like, I'll take care of it." And Sophie's like, "No, it's, I stabbed the guy and I got to go do it." So yeah. she kind of sneaks off and it fucks everything up. Yeah, so it's like this like weird pride thing that. Yeah, yeah. And only it's... it ends with the brand getting eaten. Yeah, or basically. at least her upper half. Ugh. <laughs> um. And that's where we end that issue. They get the yeah. sample they need, but uh, someone gets eaten. But yeah, you have to go dies. kill. Tell tell the 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 you know dangerous bounty hunter that his sister just got eaten. Yeah. Um. In the meantime, we start issue thirty with Marco and his group crashing on the ice planet that um Dango took the first group to to yeah. find the resistance. This just basically becomes a good sort of manhunt, like follow retrace their steps sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Alana and Dango escape. Um, but then Hazel and Clara end up still on the ship. Um, the whole idea was Clara was supposed to take Hazel off the ship, um, but they end up running into one of the um, a couple of uh, a couple of resistance uh, members that kind of prevent them from escaping and whatnot. Um, so Alana and Dango end up off the ship, but Hazel and and Alana are on it, and then the resistance people end up. It's, they basically get taken as refugees. It's like, called a warp. It's kind of like a warp speed kind of a thing, but they call it a hopscotch. And so the ship that's still on the ground just all of a sudden just disappears because they kind of warp out into a different location and whatnot. Um, Marco uh, finds Alana getting ready to kill Dengo because as much as she's tried to sympathize with Dengo and, and get him to come around to her side, like... 
once that shit happens where the ship leaves and whatnot, she's just like, I'm going to fucking kill you now because you're the one that's responsible for my kid disappearing. And Marco, who was all like, I'm going to find the guy that took my kid and cut his head off. Once he's with Alana again, he's just like, okay, this isn't who we are as a couple, so we have to spare him. Yeah. Uh, and then Prince Robot 4 comes up and he's like, hey, you took my kid. Boom. And just dead. blows his fucking uh, head off. <laughs> you know, almost like uh, what The Walking Dead would have done this week if they had testicles. Right, right. Um, and then the next thing we see at the end of this is Hazel in a classroom and she's a couple years older now. Yeah, see, this is the other thing. Like, the time skips in this book happen really, like, surprising in surprising yeah. places, which isn't a bad thing at all. Like, I No, really it actually like helps progress a story that would take years and years really? to tell. Yeah, see, yeah. like, that's a... Hmm. It's sort of a giveaway with a name, but this this whole thing with Saga, like, we're only on issue 30, and we've gone through, you know, Hazel's birth to now the time where I think she's got to be, like, around 8, she's 9, 10, gotta, Yeah, I would say 5, 6. Yeah, probably. okay, you're probably right, actually. Um, Because we see Hazel as a baby... And then when we time skip forward, then we see her again as a toddler. And this is the period of time where Alana's yeah, working right. on the open you're circuit. Right. And now she's kind of in grammar school. Yeah. Um, which takes us into into 31. Um, we find out that Clara and Hazel are actually in, in an internment camp. And they're actually on the planet Landfall. Like, they're kind of in the heart of where this whole dispute started. Um, and it turns out, and I, I don't know if we find that out in this issue, but I'm going to just go ahead and, and lead into it. Um Landfall has these internment camps with a bunch of Cleave, uh, quote-unquote, non-combatants. Um, basically because they keep them alive. Because A, they didn't really do anything wrong in the first place. But B, as long as they have these internment camps all over the planet, it stops Cleave, theoretically, from attacking the planet Landfall. Because they don't want to attack a settlement that might have their own people in it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the political reason. Um, the whole thing with this with this war is you kind of get the impression by this point that it doesn't really matter how the war started. Like neither planet is necessarily they all hate aggressive it. like the, toward one another for any reason. Like the Hatfields and the McCoys, like they they're just sort of they hate each other because they do. Like yeah, and there's no reason why anymore. And like there's actually no like. It's like the 49ers and the Raiders. Yeah. We yeah. just don't like each other because we don't like each other. Yeah. Like, the, you know that there was originally a reason why that this fight started, but it's gone into such proportions now that they just do it out of habit, mostly. Yeah. Um, which is another good thing about the book. Like, the, this whole political aspect of things, like, um, is interesting, I think, the way that they tell that. So. Right. Um, Hazel has a pretty good relationship with her teacher, who's a praying mantis. Yeah, basically. <laughs> She's a praying mantis with like a cute like uh, teacher haircut sort of thing, and she speaks Cleave, yeah, or Blue as the language is called, yeah, um, because when it's on the page and it's written out, it's it's Blue, Blue, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hazel also meets a hermaphrodite. She totally does, or it's a transgen. I don't know what how it goes, but I, I get the impression that the character tranny. was born that She's way. A tranny. I'd yeah. just say go with tranny, transvestite, um, and then. Uh, for whatever reason, Hazel feels that her connection with her teacher is strong enough that she can reveal her true identity to her. And so she basically strips naked while she's talking to this teacher and, and unwraps the ace bandages she has around her so that she can see the wings 
And Hazel actually has bigger wings than her mom does at this point, which is yeah. kind of cool. Uh, I want to go back for just a second because, you know, like we said, tranny, which is, I think, like an offensive term in the transvestite community and maybe even transvestite is at this point. I'm not really following. But uh, the interesting thing about this is that they do that sort of thing. Like they just do it in a kind of a natural way. Like yeah. it's not it's like a footnote. Like uh, it's it's a character, and this happens to be a uh, thing about this character. It's not like a whole, um, you know, like how every gay character was in the early '90s sort of thing. Yeah, the way they introduce this character too is is weird because Clara is in the shower room. Yeah, and so it's an other... internment camp too. So yeah. it's not like it's a weird thing. It's like you don't fucking get a choice. Yeah, the other the other people that are there kind of direct Hazel to where Clara is, and then when Clara walks in, or when Hazel walks in, Clara's not there. But there's this kind of good-looking woman with a nice set of tits, but an enormous cock. Yeah. At the same time, <laughs> um, and um, she speaks real broken English. Yeah. Um, which is it, the dialect is kind of funny when you read it in your it, head. It actually reads to me like uh, it's like, like Creole essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that that's an interesting thing. Like they they've done a, a lot of different things as far as like uh, you know we've got a transvestite character where, where that's not necessarily a driving factor of this character. Well, I don't even think it's transvestite. I think I think this character was born this way, not so much modified herself to be this way or himself to be this that way. That could be, yeah. Um, because they draw parallels between him and Hazel or her and Hazel a lot. Yeah. Um, in terms of Hazel being a <clears throat> a, a a creature of both cleave and landfall yeah but the interesting genetics. the interesting thing about that to me like that parallel that they're drawing is sort of um is meant to humanize because you know we we have this as mm-hmm. a real thing like there are gay characters there's gay characters in this book too um and Which they're very much get to real soon yeah they're very much demonized and uh they, it sort of humanizes those characters uh, um as well uh in you know a way that is done i i think really really well yeah like so they anyway. do it in a way that makes it seem like things like this are normal which they are yeah so as they should seem like they are today right exactly yeah um and it's interesting how they do that because there's a lot of characters in the book that have the same sort of um i guess hang-ups that society does about um homosexuality um you know that that sort of thing hermaphrodite or transvestite or whatever essentially right um same sort of prejudice that we have in regular society but they they treat it in a way that's um you know positive a a positive way to do those things um uh and and, yeah whatever so anyway uh okay so going back to the gay characters um well no um hazel reveals herself to her teacher finds wings Um, crazy praying mantis lady uh kind of faints and hits her head on the table and starts bleeding for a second i thought she was like dead yeah i thought she hit her head on the table and they're like well uh turns out her brain was in her head too so she died yeah um, but now they, they show her in like the infirm or something like that uh not in this issue this that that happens later but um that's the last thing we see um and then we open 32 with alana and marco breaking into um a giant records repository yeah basically which is kind of cool because i think this is the first episode where alana and marco are really back together yeah um so they've been apart for several issues now um and this this is sort of like their return to form it's kind of like batman and robin team up for the first time after a little while for all the reasons they break up um they kind of put those aside because their kid is now missing at this point in time and it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter why they were separated in the first place um for you the listener who doesn't know already yeah i have... um they split up because he caught her doing drugs and was pissed off because he was like, have you ever been high in front of our kid? Um, and then 
he had been taking Hazel to this dance instructor, and there was obviously um, something between. There's a little the bit of chemistry two. between the between Marco and this and this teacher. dance teacher, whose husband was off world ninety percent of the time or whatever. Yep. Um, it, it did look like, the, but it ended up being totally innocent, which was another interesting thing. But sort of, you find out later that they kind of maintain contact even afterward. But we haven't gotten to that point yet. But yeah, for all intents and purposes, he didn't do anything wrong. She just got mad at him. And then they got into this big old fight, and he threw a bag of groceries at her. But that was another interesting thing, like, of... Um, so there's a couple of interesting things about that. They split up, but they, it wasn't like... Uh, this wouldn't have been, a like, a, a marriage-ending fight sort of thing. This was like, it, they got in a big fight, and then circumstances took them apart. Um, yeah. So, and they just kind of put their shit away once they got back together, because they needed to find their kids. Um, the other thing that was interesting, I thought, was... Um, shit, I just forgot. So we'll move on. I don't know. My next my next notes say interspecies erotica. Which, um, <laughs> that is an interesting uh, sentence there. Which uh, I stole that from Clerks too, but uh, yeah, um, it's not a dude fucking a donkey. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually um, the issue that when this issue uh, opens up, the narration from Hazel actually talks about how her parents um, hadn't even so much as kissed each other since they reunited because the focus was on getting Hazel back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there was kind of an unspoken vow that they wouldn't have sex even until they recovered Hazel. Uh, but then they, That's rough. but then they broke into this records repository and found out that they actually where Hazel was. And as soon as it became real to them that they were going to get their daughter back or that they knew where their daughter was. They... Well, it was like they didn't even know she was alive. Yeah. Like, they were both sort of silently believing that she's probably dead. Without telling each other, they yeah. both were just like, she's probably our kid's probably dead and whatnot. But as soon as they found out that wasn't the case, they fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what the interspecies erotica was. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we also see Goose and Prince Robot 4 and um, the Princeling on a... A, kind of an abandoned planet like a, a real back yeah like they went to the other side of wherever Luke was yeah yeah they might have even been there with Luke who knows yeah uh, it's like we go tell this Jedi guy to stop you know Goose is all excited because he thinks that Alana and Marco are coming back and he, or he knows they're coming back and he tells the, the Prince Robot who's now Sir Robot because um, his kingdom has disavowed him and so it's um, Sir Robot and Squire Robot respectively between him and his kid um and he's just like fuck those guys they're just gonna get us in trouble again yep um and that's kind of where that that issue um ends i think yeah they land and then uh prince robot's just like hey i don't want to help you and then uh, alana and marco are like no you're gonna help us and here's why it, and it and was, Goose is like, Goose is like, no, go, I'll, I'll stay here with the kid. I won't let anything happen. See, this is another interesting thing too, because like they started off as like polar opposites, like complete enemies, like no question. Yeah, Prince Robot. Well, yeah, because Prince Robot Four, even though he worked for Landfall, he wasn't a fan of Alana because Alana was fucking this Mooney, which yeah. is what they call the people from Cleve. Um, it's racist. It is. It is totally super racist. racist. <laughs> um, and Eddie alluded to this earlier. We have um, our our actual original um, homosexual couple. Uh, in this issue because this is um, the two they're, these guys are reporters and they work for a newspaper kind of a thing um, and they originally were tracking the story of these two but the brand who died from the dragon um, put a spell on them that would make it to where their heads would basically explode if they told the truth about 
this couple and whatnot. So they couldn't they couldn't report on it. As soon as the brand died, that spell though was broken, and they they're now hot on the trail again. Um, and thirty issue thirty three is completely about them. Um, they follow the the trail, get to the ice planet, and the will, who has now re- been resurrected, um, is there once <laughs> once and he's fat as fuck now. He's yeah, he's a big old fat dude. Um, he's got the brand's dog, uh, Sweet Boy, with yeah. him. Um, presumably because uh, Gwendolyn and Sophie still have Lion Cat, mm-hmm. who's awesome. Yeah. Lion Cat is probably one of the best used characters in in the entire series because he's just a giant cat, and anytime somebody tells a lie, he just says lying. Yeah, it, it's used greatly. It's they, they use awesome really effect. Well. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh. Because when when the Will wakes up from his coma and and whatnot, like he gets really pissed off. Hmm. Um. Uh, because his sister is dead. He eats like forty pounds of donuts and then he goes off to go adventure. Yeah, he takes the dog and fucking a couple cans of lard and just goes. Yeah, he looks like you know that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer had to get fat so he get on workers' disability yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. He looks like that. Like he's just been sitting around eating play doh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty bad. Um, but he's already there and he kind of forces the two gay reporters to work for him. Um, they don't really have much of a choice at this point because they're either going to do it or they're going to die. Yeah, pretty much. Um, that's basically that whole issue um, was was all about them. Uh, Saga 34. Um, Hazel uses... Oh, we didn't tell Ryan about the ghost. Isabel. <laughs> this is actually pretty rad too. Um, when they first... This is like early on, like an issue four, five, or six. Oh or my, what the fuck? <laughs> There's yeah. a ghost in all this shit? Well, it's yep. not just a ghost. It's like a, um, a completely dismembered, you know, from, like, here up with yeah, intestines she's, hanging she's, out Yeah, and shit. she's like, only the top portion of her. The rest of her's I'd gone. still fuck it, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> she's yeah. kind of cute. Uh, yeah. She doesn't have a nose. Her yeah. race doesn't have a nose. They yeah. just have slits. They can look kind of like Voldemort with boobs. We can work around that. She looks like yeah. teenage Voldemort, basically, yeah. with no bottom half. It's really, uh, I don't know, it's interesting. But, um... Yeah. In order to get that's in yeah on the planet where they found the rocket ship, did we just need... out of the ground? Like they they encounter her and she can help them, but she basically has to do a um, she has to bond herself with Hazel. Yeah. So during the day she lives inside Hazel. Um, and then comes out at night and whatnot. But she can also take on other forms and stuff. So Hazel uses Isabel to get her into the infirmary where the teacher is mm-hmm. and visits her. Um. And that is, oh, what is her name? Noreen. Uh, so how did this thing become to be this ghost figure? Uh, she, she died. She, yeah. <laughs> well, um, naturally, yes. By the time we meet her, she's basically a ghost form. Yeah, and she's, she's not given. She's not given a fantastic lot of backstory other than that she's a casualty of the war between the two planets. And, you know, they basically well, We walked, know she's a lesbian, too, because she had a lover. Yeah, they essentially walked through, um, you know, like, I don't want to say a, a great... Yeah, a minefield. Like, they essentially walked through, you know, just this massive, uh, you know, this area where... Like, it'd be like walking through Gettysburg or something like that where... I would you say know, Afghanistan right now. Yeah, that'd be, yeah. That, that, that could be... Too. It's probably apropos. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, just another... Oh, yeah, by the way, there's a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, but th- this is a book that... Um, I don't know. It's just... It's hard to explain any- to anything to, uh, why, you know, why you should read it. You just... You should read it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it sounds weird as fuck talking about it, but you should read it. I'm down to read it as soon as I can get my hands on it. It sounds interesting as hell. Oh, yeah. It's it's good. Um, 
What the fuck? Oh, um, Doff, one of the uh, uh, gay dudes. He... Is it Lundgren? No, just... It's Damn it. Doff, not Dolph. <laughs> um, so he has the inside scoop on where um, Robot 4 and his kid might be, which is uh, who the brand or the will is looking for. The will is looking for Robot 4 because Prince Robot 4 is actually the one that killed the stock. And so he's trying to avenge the stock. Um, only he's also taking heroin. Only in this universe, heroin is a drug that makes you see your ex-lover. That's rough. So he's just constantly eating this drug. And the stock is kind of a bad influence on him. Because she's like, well, just kill those fuckers. Because they're not useful anymore. Kind of a thing. Um, so, But he, he kind of strikes up this deal with, with the will to um, get this location. So they can find him. Um, and then Noreen, the teacher, decides that she's going to help Hazel escape from the internment camp. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I was just, I was fast forwarding. We're um, looking at the last couple of panels of issue 35. Yep. Which is where we're heading right now. Yep. Get there. Cause the, the, it's the best. It's the best. So Marco has a plan to rescue Hazel. Uh, robot doesn't like it at all because it involves Prince Robot um, putting on the robes of a lord. Mm-hmm. And even though the prince robot won't acknowledge himself as a prince anymore, because he's, he's just uh, uh, a uh, sir robot now. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want to be a lord because he thinks it's lesser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in the age old stereotype where, well, they all look alike. Yeah. Um, he puts on the robes and nobody fucking notices that it's <laughs> not Lord Robot because they just all have TVs for heads. So whatever. Yeah. Which pisses him off a lot, too. Um, Doff, the gay reporter, gets the location of the... Uh, I don't know. Why do I keep saying that? I guess I don't need to say that, huh? No, just Gotta give the reporter. So Doff gets the location of the um, honeymoon planet where Prince Robot took Princess Robot when they first got married, which also happens to be where they've been hiding out the whole time. Um, uh, Clara finds Hazel with Noreen and finds out that Hazel has told Noreen who she is and what she is and all that kind of stuff and kind of gets pissed off about it. Um, the rocket ship uh, hits a mine because as it turns out, there at one point was really hostilities between Cleve and Landfall and uh, the moon people of Cleve mined a lot of the space around Landfall. So the rocket ship hit one of these mines. Um, Marco takes off to go rescue Hazel because he's got his weird helmet thing that allows him to fly through space and whatnot. Uh, the Will finds uh, the Princeling and Goose on the honeymoon planet, and Goose is a badass. Yeah, so I love this thing, actually. The, the last couple of panels are um, the Will talking to the Princeling, basically, being like, you know your daddy's a killer, right? He kills good women, shoots him right in the heart, talking about the stock. Right. Um, and the stock, you know, his hallucination is telling him, you know, just kill the kid, kill the fucking kid. And uh, then Goose comes up and says, hurt the boy and I will chop you deep, you know, and Goose, yeah. Goose will chop you deep. I, Goose, Goose is just my favorite character. Goose, Goose is my favorite. Goose is rad. Like that, that right there. If that doesn't say hero. Did you show that picture to Ryan? If yet? that doesn't say no. hero, I don't know what the fuck does. That's, and, that's Goose and, and in his, all his glory. His walrus thing that he's writing is called Friendo. Yeah, Friendo. <laughs> he, he herded these things on the planet where they first found him and he ended up bartering Friendo to... Uh, Marco and Alana 
I don't remember for what. For like, for, I, yeah, I don't remember so what they, it was, what they something for. Weird, like milk or something like yeah. that, probably. Um, but he has a psychic connection with all these creatures, like all the creatures that he herds huh. and stuff. So they they went and found him to find, uh, like Marco went and found him to find uh, Hazel because when they left the planet, Frendo was still in their rocket ship with them. So they used Goose to zero in on the location, and that's how they were able to get, to track him down to the ice planet and whatnot. Um, it, it's a good book, man. We've talked about it for way too long now probably but yeah that's what happens 45 when read, minutes that's what happens when you read 10 issues of one of one book within a given week yeah we're caught up now for though. someone that hasn't read it yet i feel highly interested in the lore and the characters developed in this story it, it's arc. interesting to me because saga is kind of like dirty star wars in yeah. a way like it, 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 there's deeper themes there's d- definitely deeper themes i think than star wars um but it is sort of like dirty adult star wars and what's crazy about this book is this is 35 issues like that's where we're at now we're caught up to real time now this book has been published for years now but um there's been they big gaps breaks. yeah they take yeah. big breaks in the middle and uh one of the things i really liked in in 33 i think where um the will uh finds doff and uh I forget his full name. They call it because they call him Up for short. Upshur. Upshur. Yeah. Um, because he calls him Upshur and Doff. Yeah. Or no, Doff and Upshur, and like Upshur gets all offended because he's like, it's Upshur and Doff. The writers always credited first, but in this book, if you read the credits of Saga, yeah, Fiona Staples, the artist, is actually credited first <laughs> in every issue. <laughs> I definitely caught that little in joke too. Yeah. Um. So that's pretty funny. Um. But this this tells a huge story, but we're only thirty five issues in, and and again, for anybody still listening after this point, yeah, um, we're not going to talk about ten issues of at a time anymore because we're we're completely caught up. So we'll we'll continue reading it and we'll review each issue as as we go. But now we're at that point that Eddie hates, where we we have to wait a month between each issue, or sometimes even longer with this particular book. Um, yeah. So that's Saga. Um, we got. Sp- Spawn next? Yeah, Spawn, the Walking Dead 153. Spawn we can do a lot quicker because um, there's not a whole lot I want to say. The one the one thing that I do want to say about the, the, the next five issues of Spawn is that this sort of sees Spawn becoming like a badass. Let's actually not even talk about 153 this week. Let's talk about the next week since Ryan's not caught up. Yeah, I was um, thinking the same. At all. At all. Um, and he's I don't he's read approximately anything. zero issues of... And considering where we are in the TV zero. series, like anything we talk about in the is comics right now... you're going to fuck your shit up, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's worry about that next week. Um, you ever read Spawn? Um, I definitely have not up until this last uh, bits couple and of months. pieces. I've read here and there, yeah. So I know of Spawn and things that he's done. But cool. Um, let's talk Spawn Batman first, real quick. Um, I okay. think we did. We talk about this. I think I'm, we might have talked I'm about. I'm pretty this. positive we did. Okay, so let's not talk that one. Yeah. So anyway, it, between Spawn uh, issues twenty and uh, one and twenty five, we're gonna see a couple things. First off, uh, Spawn um, manages to save the day a little bit. Terry Fitzgerald, uh, the the husband of his former wife in life, um, basically gets himself in a whole mess of shit, and Spawn goes and fixes it. Uh, fixes it. He gets some dirt on all the right people, and just. This is where Spawn really turns into, like, in the first, I'd say, 15, 20 issues, Spawn is sort of like an accidental hero. Like, he doesn't really have any control over what he's doing as much, and he just sort of fumbles his way through, I think, solving a lot of his problems. Yeah. This one is really where Spawn is, like, 
calculating and actually, you know, heroic. Like he's still not quite, um, you know, ultimate badass, which I get the feeling we're going to get to pretty soon. But this is very much where Spawn sort of comes into his own. He gets his, you know, king throne of the whole alley thing. Um, yeah, he's, he's king of the bums. Yeah, he's king of the bums. He formally marks his territory using his, you know, Spawn marker, um, which by that I mean like ectoplasm or whatever the fuck he did it with uh necro something yeah necromancy sort of you know hell magic um and uh you know we, we move on from there essentially he, he yeah. just this is really where spawn becomes like you know, like he finally kind of decides like i'm gonna you know like he's leaning towards heroic tendencies rather than just purely falling into the situations where he you know has to do heroic things yeah i'm not gonna lie i'm i read these weeks ago yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have notes on them. We've been putting them off for quite a long time. Um, so you just read them like last night. So you're probably more suited to guiding us through the um, what are we got? Issues 16 through 20. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, we're I'm talking 21 through 25 ish. So if maybe we were way far behind, but I don't think I've read 21 through 25. Yeah. Well, that stuff didn't happen then. It let it be a surprise. Except for you maybe. read this already. I'm just kidding. Um, the cool thing about Spawn, um, for anybody who's not familiar with the character and whatnot um he was an assassin a government assassin um his government turned on him killed him uh he ends up in hell makes a deal with this being called malbolgia who for all intents and purposes we know is is probably the devil or whatnot yep um sells his soul to come back um only malbolgia isn't real good at following through with his end of the bargain or at least if he does he uses loopholes so yeah he's back but he's a fucking deformed like burnt up dude um, and when he transforms into a non-burnt-up dude, he's a blonde white dude. Um, <laughs> That's actually really funny. Uh, so when he goes to, to see Wanda as this blonde white dude, um, she's this hot black chick and has no idea who this white dude is. Uh, but he's kind of a cracker. Yeah. And uh, but gives her he kind of reminds her of somebody. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of it's it's kind of the ultimate irony in that in that sense that he's like she's right there but she's also married to his former best friend and has yeah, a kid five, five years have passed essentially in, yeah. in the interim she's got a kid he couldn't he couldn't knock her up when he was alive and whatnot so um it's kind of a real touching story the only thing is is his power levels are limited um and so the deal is is that he either doesn't like, use his powers completely limited like no no game um there's only game overs there's, yeah. there is no save point no checkpoints yeah so he either doesn't use his powers to fight bad guys in which case hell wins because the more bad guys there are the more souls there are to to go to hell or he does use his powers and then once they're exhausted then he ends up um becoming part of hell's army as soon as as soon as his power levels are exhausted the existence of a hell spawn is kind of a cursed existence no matter what um although we now have clues that there's there are ways around this because um i think we meet houdini yep in some of these books yep um, and Houdini kind of alludes to the fact that he can draw off the powers of his costume because his costume is a, is a parasite essentially. But once you figure out how to use it to your advantage, it becomes more of a symbiotic relationship than a parasitic one. Um, and so he can make the costume do these things. He hasn't figured out how to do it yet, but now we know it's possible as readers. Yep. Um, we've also met one character named um, Cogliostro who, uh, kind of got written off as a hallucination in, in um, issue number nine. But we also know that he's real as well and is is going to end up coming back and, and serving a purpose later. Also. Yeah, especially in issue number nine. He's sort of, um, 
it's almost like a hallucinate like the hallucination thing's very apt because he's the only one that actually kind of knows what spawn is um it's only sort of uh he says you know a line and it's sort of like spawn realizes hey what did you say yeah and then that's pretty much the end of their interactions yeah um yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at on this on these books because I don't remember each issue that we went through and I don't know if you read ahead of me or not. So, yeah, it sounds like I did. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, b- books twenty one and through twenty five I really liked, but we don't need to talk too much more about them. I think we kind of actually just covered the whole lot. So you need to read, get caught up, and I'll maybe slow down and we can talk a little bit more about them next week. You also need to read the Violator series, which is a three issue. Oh yeah, yeah, true. Um, set, um, and we'll talk about that next week because I've read those. For yeah, sure. I can definitely read that by next week. So. Um, and that's that's a that's that's a pretty cool story. Yeah, um, you actually learn about uh, the uh, the brothers. Mm, I have no idea who that Violator, is. Violator is one of five brothers. Oh, yes, I do know that, actually, because the other one the, is like the... The Flebiac brothers or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember what the... We've met one of them, but I don't remember what his name is. Flebiac, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, the Vindicator, I think, is the other one. We've yeah, at this yeah. Um, so that kind of brings our show to a little bit of a close, although Ryan, um, as much as it's been fun for him to sit here and bullshit with us about nerd stuff... Uh, and learn some and, shit that I've never heard before yeah, like Saga and learn some shit um, we mentioned earlier that he is in a band and that band um, was generous enough to lend us their music for our intro stuff so we're going to give him the floor to uh, plug some shit um, yeah uh, we'll be playing April 14th I believe at the Twilight in Portland PDX area and on the 22nd at the uh, TARDIS room and we have a couple of shows in May that I haven't got dates for yet from Dan, but look forward to those and check us out on Facebook and Reverb Nation and uh, YouTube as well. And and what's your what's your Facebook address? Uh, just look up Dead Nexus and you should be able to find us. Yeah, um, I'll put links to all those in the show notes. So um, thanks again to Dead Nexus and, of course, Ryan for you know letting us uh, borrow their show um, because uh, I'm not talented enough to create our own music. <laughs> hey, I, I, I play guitar, but I don't I don't have drummers or anything, and it, it yeah. probably just it's kind of hard to put together a whole a whole band's worth of music with just one person that has it's any kind of talent. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right, yeah. so thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Uh, before we go, though, I should mention we are on Twitter uh, at Whatever Your Show. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Whatever Your Show. You can um, send us some love on iTunes. Go give us a rating on iTunes, please. Um, you can find us at Whatever Your Podcast on iTunes. And any ratings help. We'd appreciate it. And, of course, uh, you know, just tell your friends about us. If you have any questions, questions at whatever.co or just any general feedback, you can send there, too, and we'll talk about you on the show um, or make fun of you, depending on how much of a dick you are. Yeah, and I mentioned earlier, um, you can follow Eddie on Twitter at Charles E. Smith. Yep. Um, I am at the brutal one. That's um, T H E B R E W. Yeah, it actually it turns out we're kind of a fan of beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, fans of since we drank a lot all through the episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which is probably apparent to most of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and do does Dead Nexus have a Twitter? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, well, well we committed might. they are. Yeah, we might. <laughs> we actually might. So just look us up just in case. Dan keeps control of all the social media stuff. So yeah, well, I know that we have reverbed Facebook and YouTube for sure. Twitter, not so much. All right. Well, yeah, we'll definitely uh, 
put all that stuff on our uh, on our uh, show notes for this episode. Um, so definitely check them out. Um, heavy metal, uh, awesome band. Uh, if you like you know metal stuff, uh, you're probably gonna like Dead, ne- Dead Nexus. So give them a shot. Also, if you happen to run um, a venue in the greater Albany, Lebanon, Salem, Corvallis, or Eugene, Eugene. area. Um, hit up the Diagnosis uh, Facebook because right now they play most of their shows in Portland, which is kind of a pain in the ass for anybody who's around here to go to. Um, yep. And there's not really a lot of clubs doing metal shows these days. So, Sad, sad thing. It's very sad. We would like to extend our range and open our audience up to a different genre with great other bands like Transcendia, Chainbound, definitely the Desolate. Just great musicians all around, really cool people. Plus, it'd be awesome if they could play to crowds that haven't already bought their merch. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's say, let's face it, <laughs> that's where we make our money. <laughs> all right, everybody, thanks. We will see you next week. Later. Later.